This show may contain naughty language and explicit content. You have been warned. Welcome to Facehammer, an Age of Sigmar podcast. Bringing you product reviews, news from the UK tournament scene, as well as some pro hobby tips. So stay tuned and get ready for some hammer to your face. Welcome to Face Hammer, episode 41. It's me, Russ the Faceville. I am joined by Les Against the World Martin. Byron Taco Ord <laughs> and Terry Two Winds Pike. <laughs> and also, very special guest, Tom the Pun Maudsley. <laughs> Better than the Blight King. Yeah, well, I didn't, I didn't want to use the Blight King. I think maybe we'll save that one. <laughs> you look very Blight King esque sometimes. I do. That's what I'll go for. I'm playing into it. It is the role playing as such. <laughs> Uh, just, yeah, just... He attacks in one round of combat too. Yeah. Stop spoiling it. Yeah. To just, just, it's, there's no like foreplay with Byron. It's just straight in. Bam. <laughs> I've only spoiled one of seventeen possible blight tales, so we'll just have to move on to number two out of seventeen. Straight to McDonald's with the chicken nuggets. <laughs> right. Okay. <laughs> Episode forty-one. What we're we going to do today? So. Um, we're going to talk a little bit about new releases and hobbies and stuff, and then we are going to talk a little bit about the doubles event we ended up going to that we talked about the last show. Um, yeah. did end up going in the end. Uh, and then we're going to, yeah, it was last minute. Yeah. And then, um, <clears throat> we did a little bit of a list tech. So we're going to talk about Tom's Blight King army and uh, with some Blight King stories and, uh, Byron's, uh, death army from the Six Nations. I think yeah, that's probably the. Give everyone the download on the new, the new meta current top tier that people haven't quite caught up to yet, and they're going to need to buy models to achieve because it's just so left field that people. Elementgames.co.uk. They can't. And then we'll also then talk a little bit about the Six Nations event and the matchup process, and about AOS as a team event Wee. and game, as we should say. So, um. Suppose we should talk a little bit about news. I mean, not really a lot to talk about, but um, this other game landed. Eh? This forty k thing. Yeah, yeah. Let's, yeah. Let's, let's not talk about Harlequins. Otherwise, we got we're gonna get derailed for half an hour. Should we just shout out a couple of people who do it better than us for an actual podcast and then leave it at that? Yeah, yeah, we did last time, but yeah, go ahead, do it again. So the Triumvirate are doing a pretty awesome job of it. Yeah, uh, they've just the uh, the second one landed a couple of days ago. That was really good, actually. I really enjoyed the second one. It's um, they is quite sort of new friendly um, yeah. for people like me who haven't played forty k in like three years and stuff. It was really good just to yeah. sort of see. Um, there's a lot of AOSE crossover in it for sort of like if you're an AOS player and you want to listen to sort of like them their take on forty k, like calling like AP rend and stuff like that. <laughs> um, so. But no, I really enjoy it. Um, sort of like it's just the right sort of length for me to listen to you when I'm driving around at work and stuff. So it's good. Absolutely. Cool. Something you probably will never play a game of it beyond a demo. It's at a level where I can listen to it and still gain enjoyment without feeling like, oh my God, I just don't understand any of these words. So for me, it's pretty much perfect. Awesome. 
Um, but in terms of Age of Sigmar, there was an interesting email that came around, wasn't there, talking about Path to Glory. Did you guys get that? Mm, I didn't see it. No? I may know what you're talking about, though. <laughs> Maybe. I'm now yes. worried. I'm now slightly worried. Or I, said something I shouldn't be. Um, no, uh, <laughs> I did check earlier. Yeah, there was an email that went around talking about um, a new Path to Glory book coming. Which uh, should be quite cool. There was um, some on the community site, wasn't there? I think. Yeah, they, they, there's a, there's a blog post. Right. An article on the community site, Walk the Path to Glory. That's the one posted on the 19th of June. Cool. Uh, exciting news for Warhammer Age of Sigmar players. We'll soon be releasing standalone rules for Path to Glory. There you go. So that should be quite interesting. I'm quite, I'm quite happy about that because I really liked that bit of the General's Handbook. It was a nice little surprise. When that came out originally, and we used it for our side event for Facehammer, so uh, hopefully uh, I can utilise that product when it's out. Um, I should probably talk a little bit about the Vandus Hammerhan and Corgus Coal Scrolls as well, which uh, um, don't bother because the internet it says they're rubbish. Right. Okay. But they're out anyway. They are, yeah, yeah, they are. So um, you can use the actual special rules uh, and that for your starter boxes, and they've released them individually. Um, and there's also a new box game, isn't there, which is Thunder and Blood? Yeah. So it's basically a new starter set. It comes with a little map and sort of some terrain. So really, I think it's basically kind of aimed at if you were going to get uh, school kids into the game, mm. it's everything you need in one box, and they are clip-fit, I, I believe. Like, yeah, the genuine. models look different because they're in, like... But I think they're exactly the same as the ones that came in the original box. Because it's, you know, the original box set. It's just that. Yeah. Have they not been redesigned to be... I think, are they Are they just coloured, then? They're, not they're just coloured. They're just coloured, I believe. I think they're exactly the same. I think the only difference is you don't get Vandus... Hammerhand and Corgus Cole, is that right? You, you can buy those guys separately now, can't you, as well? So. Yeah, but I think out of the kit, they were the more complicated models, weren't they? So, yeah, yeah I they think... were 20-something pieces. So. so, obviously, like you get like the, the Blood Warriors, the Corgraf, and like the, the Blood Stoker, the Prosecutors, the Liberators, the Relictor, and the... Um, you know that all that sort of stuff, but they're in like coloured gold and red plastic, um, and it's got a board and a bit of terrain and some dice and there. But it's it's basically a relaunch and starter set where they it looks like they kind of realised, hang on a minute, it wasn't quite as starter friendly as we wanted it to be. So, well, I think that was our only single criticism of it, wasn't it? When it came yeah, out. I believe so. So, um, good job, TW. Sorted. There you go. And uh, Josh Reynolds, uh, popular author for Age Sigmar uh, f- books, has released a new book, Plague Garden for the Hallowed Knights. So uh, I've been fortunate enough to be sent a copy of that, but I've not started to read it yet. But um, the Hallowed Knights and, and Josh's stuff that he, he's written has been the best stuff. Yeah, he's one of the, be- he's one of the best ones. It, it doesn't feel like a sort of hobby novel it feels like a sort of do you know what i mean like the last time i've read one of josh's books yeah i think i think it's uh it's actually one that i'll sit down and read because i don't tend to read a lot of the gw stuff now that i've been introduced to actual like brandon sanderson and other authors like that that i don't tend to get the time to read them um 
I think but, the only one I still pick up these days is um, Aaron Dembski Bowden because I think he's really, really good. So I've read a couple of his. Some of the yeah. old uh, Anthony Reynolds books I used to read, they were quite good. But that's going the, back a bit. With the new AOS books, are they still in sort of a chronological order? Or are a lot of them standalone now? I know initially the sort of the Realm Gate War series and things were. Uh, well, they, some of them are numbered. So, like, um, I've got some of the early books and they've got numbers on the spine, but this is like yeah. a standalone book, I believe. Ooh. So, it's not really. Um, I don't think it's sit. It's in a timeline, but obviously it's going to talk about. Um, I think it's based around um, Loras Grimm. Um, so it's uh, it does say um, as the war for the realm of life continues. So I don't, I don't think it's actually a part of the series because the Realm Gate Wars books were um, are under like a separate title. So you've got the Realm Gate Wars, Call of Archeon, Hammers of Sigmar, Galmaraz, Lord of Undeath, Monarch of Night. So all those are under another title. So this is, I think, it's a standalone book. Cool. I might get. In, I might have to pick up a couple. Like the the series ones don't really suit my short attention span, but a couple of standalone books would be quite good. Yeah, I mean, for me, I I got the audio dramas and they were really good. Um, I found the audio books um, not brilliant just because and it's nothing to do with the actual book it's just to do with how you get it in your on your phone mm. like because i'm used to audible and having an app and being able to just listen and and not but whereas the other one is like a set of mp3 files so right. it just feels a little bit doesn't quite fit no, um, the yeah, sort of modern sort of way that people want content delivered whereas you can go oh i just want to literally go to my library and go listen to that book and play it and then i want to pause it on my phone and then watch listen to it when i'm painting and it picks up where i was on my phone and just jumps to that location and things like that but obviously it's a guess that's more problems though yeah but um yeah i'm interested to give it a read so i'll probably pick it up but that's out uh i think this weekend i think it's out this weekend but yeah by the time the show is out, no doubt it'll be able to be be picked up. Yeah, yeah. There you go. And that's about it, really, for new releases, isn't it? So, um, the other thing is, we just talk about our hobby, what we've been doing. Yeah. Um. So I, I actually accidentally went to a load of events. So I haven't done any. Yeah, that, that's basically. I think what this section is <laughs> going to be. Everyone going. We haven't done any. Um. Because <clears throat> you've done like that counts. Uh? Playing Warhammer counts, right? That's hobby. Well, I mean, like, like hobby, hobby, not not gaming uh, hobby. I've done so, hobby. Yeah, you always do hobby. This is going to be embarrassing if I've done more hobby than you are. Uh, you're going I, to be... I highly suspect that is the case. <laughs> so, all right then, Tom, why don't you start off? What have you done? So I finished off building Caradron Overlords that we spoke about last Did show. You built the whole army. Um, mostly done now. I've got a couple of. Oh, I've got a couple of frigates to build. Uh, I've done, I've done eighteen Endron riggers slash Sky Wardens, twenty Thunderers, seventy Arkanal Company. I've got do, you, roll, do you take mold lines? I'm going with them. He does not. Um, no. Oh, okay. That makes me hate you less. <laughs> yeah. Because I'm like, how? On, yeah, week, that's like three three weeks. Sort of that's like three weeks. Yeah, no, I, I, um, I sent to, I'll. 
I'll take it like the really obvious ones off, but I haven't got the you're gonna hate me but I haven't got a mold remover tool, so I just drag the clippers They're so the good, though. to remove. Are you using clippers, not even a knife? Oh god, I feel sick. Oh. <laughs> you use clippers to take mold lines off. I think we need to just stop. Oh, the guys, show. guys, I just use yeah. this garden yeah. trowel that I got hanging around. So uh, yeah. don't worry about it. I've got a JCB. And just got I like a that. bic razor just running <laughs> over the. Like, just just covers it in shaving foam and just fucking runs a razor across the model. <laughs> Disclaimer: Don't do that. Time, so I just use that instead of sandpaper. It's fine. <laughs> Oh, Tom. Put the egg It's all good. Thanks for joining us, Tom. So, That's sorry, all we I'm, ever I'm, want to hear I'm, from you ever again. So, <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> okay, yeah. So, so I don't know if this counts uh, yeah, as so doing I've... hobby or, or butchering hobby. It's maybe the. <laughs> okay, so I've ruined some Carriage and Overlord models. Um, yep. One, one uncareful owner. In... <laughs> one careful owner, yeah. <laughs> uh, I've been building some Harlequins as well. I have been taking a little bit more time with those just because the models are really nice and that I want to get them done to a, a high standard. And there's less um, of them? Slightly less. Yeah. yeah. Not that many when you're just playing foot dudes. But yeah, so I'm sort of in the 40k a little bit as well, but making sure that I'm still on track for Blood and Glory, getting the Caradron stuff done. We'll talk about Tom learning how to airbrush as well because he's going to pop over potentially this weekend. I'm going to sit down with him and we'll work out how to make his army look good fast. He's going to make, he's going to make me disassemble all the models. and well, like, I'm just going to say, I've got a couple of mold line scrapers, so you'll leave with one and then your life will be better. Okay. I've got a spare one waiting for when the other one gets blunt, if they get blunt. They do get blunt. Yeah. You know it's easier to paint an actually properly assembled model as well, Tom, right? I've never done this thing before. <laughs> over the usually, weekend, over the usually weekend, the mold I'm lines give you a little bit level of texture. detail. <laughs> yeah, I knew you were so the mold that. lines, the mold lines add a little bit of texture for your the washes pool. Just, just for the oh. listeners out there that think what he's saying is true, don't listen to him. It's not just because you heard it on the internet. It's it not true. Hobby from Tom is normally like how not to do it, rather than. What you should be doing. I'm, I'm like the before. And you guys are the after. <laughs> before what? That's what I want to know. Uh, before everything. Before what? <laughs> before learning how to paint. Right, so you've put together a load of stuff. Brilliant. Um, yep. Terry, you done anything? Yeah, been smashing away on the, the corn still. Showed Byron a few little cheeky work in progress. Pictures at the weekend while we were at the um at the tournament he approved of my basing scheme. Yeah. Oh, cool. Yeah. So that's uh it's coming along. But I'm I'm not gonna release any pictures of the models or anything until I'm I'm pretty much done. So I'll just slap out painted or just period. Are you gonna release pictures of the converting but not them? Oh I'll do I am gonna release all the conversion stuff but all the painting stuff I'll just release at the end when it's all done. So I'm gonna keep blogging it the whole time. But the blogs won't be active, so they'll all be hidden until the army's finished, and then I'll just release them all in one go. So if you want to read about it, you can, and it'll all be in the right order. But you'll be able to see the finished product and all the steps along the way. That'd be cool, because I think there's some really good content in how you're assembling and converting them, so people still get to have an insight into how you go about things. Maybe I'll do a little section on the mold line tool as well. 
just, yeah, like, just uh, Tom. How to how to clean up a model properly might be a good blog post. Yeah, because it's actually Relo something that like people don't necessarily know straight away. Like after looking around online at some pictures, when people post hobby product like projects, you can tell they don't know how to clean models properly. Um, one that looks really nice on the at the moment I saw is like a marbled herald. It's mm. like all sorts of pinks and purples and whites for the herald of each skin. But I think I know can, the one you mean. Yeah, it's it's really nice, but you can see all the mold lines all around the arm straight away, and mm. as soon as you see them, you can't unsee them. And Bound models show them up badly as well. Yeah, unlike the long flesh. curved arms, they're so obvious because it's a straight edge on a round surface, and it does. It would have taken two minutes to to clean that model up properly, and now it's been painted. You can instantly see it, and it's a shame because it's a nice paint job. Mm-hmm. But you it's know, a bit like maybe... laying a foundation for a house, isn't it? It's like you, you got to do it properly. If you just build a really a mansion on on mud, it's just gonna fall. It's just gonna be shit in it. That's the point. So, but yeah, we. I think that'd be a good post. I mean. I, I this weekend I'm going to think about doing a post of something and putting it up, um, but I haven't decided what yet. Yeah, well I'll, I will be scraping some stuff this weekend, so it might be a good um, a good little post to do a how to clean stuff properly. Might even do a little video of it actually, because seeing how it's done as well might is is you know a bit better than even like how to clip stuff off spruce properly. The reason you yeah. have a flat flat um, clippers is that there's actually a reason for that. And you clip yeah. the most delicate bits first. Uh, there's a yeah. lot of people who blatantly don't do that because you see plenty of damaged, delicate bits. Yeah. If you clip the big, chunky, thick bit, the amount of pressure you apply will shatter the small, thin bits. So, yeah. That's why you're not meant to cut resin with clippers as well because the, sh- the shock from the clippers compressing inwards shatters the resin down like the length of the, the piece. So, top tip, saw and cut. There you go. But, yeah. Be a good, good topic, actually. Cleaning and building stuff properly. I'm quite interested in doing that. Cool. All right. So um, you've done some building. Les, you done anything? Primaris Marines or something? Uh, I've built all of the Primaris Marines out of the uh, Dark Imperium set. A machine. Yeah, painted one Dark Angel to a standard. I'm really happy with. Um, so then I naturally then went was at my parents' house, found a load of my old Harlequins, and was like, oh, I'm going to buy a load of Harlequins. So I bought a load of Harlequins, so I've been putting them together. Tom's just informed me that the filth, so that's a winner. Um, so I've got those put together. Uh, oh, I it's like you didn't know. I didn't know. I'm, I'm, I'm a hobbyist, mate. I'm not. That's a... like me saying that I didn't know first, which I genuinely didn't, but yeah. no one will believe me. Are they actually like the filth? I don't think, no, they're, they're not. At the end of the day, they're still Toughness 3, one wound dude. But is this the typical? They're not the filth because I'm playing with them. No, I don't want to seem like I'm a better player than I am. Or is this the actual truth? But I think from previous editions, and bear in mind I haven't played 40k for years. They they're great, but they suffer so much from the attacks back. Yeah. Um, but I think some of the new rules, like the the fact that they can retreat from combat, shoot, and then charge again, is incredible because all your charging units go first. I think every time they've released them since the initial time when, like, when the first Metal Harlequins were out, um, they've been really cool but not very good. Yeah, the well, the think... first edition when the, they released the first Metal ones, they were amazing, weren't they? Because that was when we had area training in 40k, and mm. like 
and the the old rules for rend seemed really good because that's i've always played aldar and i had loads of them but for me it's like a massive soft spot because i've i've always had a harlequin army well my first ever army that i've ever collected was a harlequin army so yeah, i've wanted to do them for years like since the god what was the publication called it chapter approved yeah mm, yeah the, the old 40k sort of uh, white dwarf rules since they did them in there i've wanted to play around with them but just never got around to it so the new 40k edition just has jeeved me on to do it yeah cool there you go yeah. but yeah and i've also back to my hobby that i've been doing this week i've also planned um a blog post on i'm gonna try and get myself sorted and get myself in gear and try and do a palador army for uh eggs and if not eggs, then definitely for the grand final. And I'm going to do a post on how I paint my the the Vanguard Paladors and stuff. So I've been planning that. So nice. How many makes it a Palador army? I'm going to do nine. Do a unit of nine. Um, so I'm going to do a unit of nine Paladors with the Quillor. Um, I want to take Vanguard Hunters um, and I want to take um, another unit of Vanguard uh, the the Raptors as well and have the the sort of like you know most of the army based around all the new stuff for talking to Russ about it it's like what I would like to do is just pick models that I've bought and not used and then run them in an army so it gives me a um you know not paying anything run them in an army so it gives me the deadline to get them finished so like I want to take a Lord Veritant because I've not used it and I've got one that's assembled and painted right like in basically undercoated it's nice to build up a selection of like give it a year you'll have everything available you'll be able to make any army you want from stormcast yeah. which is quite cool as well well i mean we me and russ were talking about um how much sylvaneth stuff i've got like because i've been having an iron about whether i sell the sylvaneth army and um and it we, we sort of like worked out that i have uh, just everything for the sylvaneth army like ever anything that you would ever want i've got to the point where i've got like five tree men built and painted and stuff like that um and I just thought, well, I've got a lot of stuff still for the Stormcast that I've not actually done. You know, I've not actually put together and, and finished like painting. So um, I think for me, if what I need to do is just go, right, this unit is going to be used in an army. So that way it gives me the, the deadline and the incentive to get it finished. Because otherwise I'll just look at it and go, nah, take Star Drake and two full rounds and just not bother. Yeah. Um, so that's what I'm trying to, going to try and do, and sort of like, um, and and blog it with the Paladors at least. Well, that's the plan. Cool. And Byron, hobby. Uh, I attended three events, three weekends in a row, so Woo! did nothing. <laughs> it's been alright actually. I didn't get didn't get too war hammered out apart from a couple of times on the weekend when I just wanted to sit in the sun instead of playing games. And that's uh, more the fault of the sun than anything yeah, else. Though. Yeah, it was pretty good sun. And I do enjoy picnics. Um, but yeah, I have done... I've got 10 more blood letters in front of me. They've had their faces removed. I've got probably 8 or 9 that are fully prepped. And I've got 15 heads removed also. So I'm more than halfway through on the prep of the blood letters. And my army's kind of just... I've got 5 blood warriors who are half done. And... I'm very close to a stage where if I just do a couple of concerted, like three, four hour sessions, the army will finish about a quarter or feel about a quarter finished. But um, yeah, I've just played instead of painted or anything recently. 
Cool. I think with the heat as well, it's not very. Ins- you, you don't really want to paint, do you? I just like this. No, I no. haven't. <laughs> That's what put me off last weekend. Um, it was so hot, and I did build all my terrain for forty k. So I got two sets of the pipes, two sets of the containers, two sets of the cranes, two of each of the new box sets for the Armageddon terrain stuff. Um, yeah. It's all scraped, it's all built, and I've got 10 different spray cans to quickly put down some base coats on them. Um, I've got a couple that, that I'm going to do over the weekend, this weekend. Um, mm. I've sprayed the containers already, but I was I was going to do it, but because it was so hot, I didn't want to mess around with spray paints and stuff in the heat. Yeah, um, just in case, like I just want to wait, make for the weather to calm down a bit. So, because it was quite humid as well this week, yeah. um, and these sort of things aren't very good for aerosol undercoating. So, I thought I'd just leave it, and I had plenty to get on with. But I still haven't done any more progress on the cadrons. But um, I just kind of get tired of building stuff. That's all I seem to end up doing is building models. So, I might, um, I might actually try and paint something this weekend, which would be nice. But yeah, we'll see. I, I'm not promising anything because uh, with the problem with the cadrons, I've still got the dilemma of I don't want colour to paint them. <laughs> it's it's uh, it's one of those. But um, yeah, that's basically what I've done, which is not a lot. Um, and there you go. So I suppose we should talk a little bit about the double, shouldn't we? Because we we attended that. Yeah. Um, we mentioned it on the last show, so won't go into too much detail. But we went, and it was fun. And uh, I feel, I feel robbed. I feel robbed from the first place. Yeah, yeah. I was a bit surprised. <laughs> me and me and Byron on Team Awesome, we were uh, we ended up winning every game major and um, getting Not a painting nom. Our arms looked nice together. And they did. It's really surprising. Like your really high end painted and my dry brush stuff, and they they kind of stood up and next to each other, they just complimented each other. And they looked really, really nice, and loads of people came over and acted like we'd planned it, and we were like, mm, mm, Yes, we did. Yeah. <laughs> I was annoyed at you because it meant we had to use your elves for one of the games. Oh, God, that was such a good game, though. That was, that so was awesome, that game, wasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> we used it, ended up in the last round, like begrudgingly putting on like your elf army and going oh god and we're like oh it's got plague monks this will be easy it'll be fine they do what they yeah, were about, they were really surprising so about that imagine playing three times that many because oh, i've got a want... game where that happened this weekend did you really yeah. oh that was wow. yeah that looked so good yeah there to... were there were four crowns in there nothing took any tests there no. was a lot of bodies and the, i couldn't believe like the the, like the actual damage output's pretty decent. Yeah, their profile's incredible. Getting to re-roll to hit, just having two weapons. Like... Yeah, so you either take a stick and a knife, and you get an additional attack, or you take uh, two knives, in which case you get to re-roll hits. It's kind of like the old orcs, where they, rather than re-rolling ones on their saves for shields or anything, they just got to re-roll, period. So you get to re-roll to hit. Um, we're basically talking about 500 points, which is uh, 40 plague monks, and then a furnace, or Something like that. It's basically mm. a quarter of your army. You get 40 dudes. They get a load of attacks. They have a banner, which is one use only in the game, where you can plant it. And uh, whenever anything in the unit 
uh, dies, it gets to pile in an attack. Um, and that's until your next hero phase. Isn't that so a spell off the... Isn't that a spell off the cauldron? Uh, cauldron uh, um, furnace. I'll have to check one of them. That's definitely a thing. Piling yeah, an attack when they die. They it's one that lets them re-roll to wound? Uh, that, yeah, that's... I think that's that's the the Lieber. They get like a, a plague te- uh, book, don't they? Yeah, and they can burn that for reroll to wound. Mm-hmm. But just really good, really surprised. Yeah. Um, took out um, a Billy, took out some elves, held up an entire corner of the board, and the unit didn't actually die. Uh, I think it did at the end, but five turns. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but I mean. I think we didn't really dedicate that much to it, did we? We um, we got a bit lucky on that winning that turn roll, but no, it's good. I mean, I had a lot of fun. Some of the games were interesting. We played double corn mostly, didn't we? We did. Is there anything you particularly took away from? Because we're obviously we're playing under the new book. Not many people will have played under the new book. Um, we were using slaughter priests. Um, yeah, basically, we took a core pilgrims list. And then a bud letter bomb list and combine them together. Um, is there anything that stood out to you as as obviously really good or slightly techy or something? Just, that... just the priests. I mean, like just the slaughter priests now because they've got another spell, um, so they're useful every turn. Whereas before, you've only got things that affect the enemy at sixteen inches. Like for most of the game, they're doing basically nothing. Um, I liked the Blood Tithe. That was quite interesting because I haven't played with it before. Um, I really liked the big unit of Juggers doing the D6 Mortal Wounds. Yeah. I found them, like, just when you put the armor save buff on them as well. So they became actually pretty good. You could just, you could almost, like, go double armor, chuck them in the enemy and just, like, pin people. Um, they don't do a lot of damage, like, but they're just, they're just solid. It's like they just get in the way and just hold stuff up. Um, we should probably mention as well, we were allowed to change our list between games in this event, which yeah. thoughts on that from everyone. I thought it was, obviously they were pushing for a casual event, but I actually, mostly just so the getting to try out different magic items, I think was, was really good fun. I think it was quite cool. I bought, like, I bought a load of, but my entire collection with me thinking that I was going to try and change it up for different games and do different, run it differently. Whereas I just took the same list in every game. I think for me, it would be really cool if you were going to go to that event and you were sort of thinking about, cause it's a bit of a casual event. It's not really a competitive thing. And you, you could go, I want to try out a load of different units or different things, but I, yeah. I'm not, you know, I don't, and I don't play outside of tournaments a lot. It's really good for that because you could basically go, let's try out this combo, and let's try out this next unit in the next army, and let's, you know, I want to try this blood first out in one game. And what's I liked about it as well, you could tailor your army to who you were playing. Yeah. So if you were playing people that you thought actually these guys haven't got very cutting edge um, army. You could almost change your army to make the game more interesting, and I think we, should have done that we probably should have done that more. Yeah, because um, I think me, me and Liam took off off the gas in a couple of games. Like Liam took me to one side because you know what I'm like; I can't turn it off, can I? 
Um, and he was like, um, Les, don't auto win this game. Like, you know, make it last, make it last five turns. It's their first tournament. And they just played Team Sky for a wanker. Um, and they just, you said, like, just make or, it. Or fun. Team, team Sky Fire Nice Guy, as they should probably be called. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's true. I I didn't I didn't like I didn't really understand the sports scoring. Like you get in two votes for your team, and you could vote for two different teams if you wanted to. It was a bit weird. Yeah. Um, but we uh, but other than that, you know, it was what it is what it is. I mean, um, we we were quite fortunate to come over best painted as well, weren't we, Byron? So yeah, super super stoked. That was really really nice. I genuinely thought that the beautiful destruction army was going to walk it just yeah. because of it being a casual event and it had like little vignettes like the painting was solid it wasn't just a like a like a, a gimmicky thing was it it yeah. was just like at the same time really nice and it was uh, had a few vignettes going on there was uh was it a, was it the dreadnought what's the underground what's a vignette uh it's a little story okay so he had like they were a lot of his bases on his larger units told stories like there was skeletons being crushed under the foot of his giant or there was one he had the forge world i think it's the dreadmore the the diggy tunnely one and the guy wet himself yeah it was coming up from under the ground next to a empire guy who was asleep and he's tied up next to a campfire and the guy had wet himself but there were all these little stories you'd to go and look at in his arm and a really nice display base for his characters and fanatics as well and i just presumed it was going to um going to walk it because it was lovely and people hadn't seen it before yeah, yeah. so it was really it was, good it was really nice like liam me and liam got our painting on as well didn't we yeah it's quite you know liam's first painting on which is... i thought liam's army actually looked really good yeah, yeah. Um, he needs to put a bit of work on the basing but like yeah but know. it's not finished is it because he said yeah. he didn't he hadn't finished it yet so it was like he said he said to me if he knew he was going to be in the cabinet he would have put some effort in that week to do it but hopefully that'll inspire him to take it up another level and do that because uh it certainly it certainly looked pretty good in the cabinet um i thought his army looked solid stood out really well to be honest yeah yeah it was awesome so um that was it really it was a bit of fun and um besides yeah it was i'm not gonna talk about the uh Harvester, the harvester that 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 nobody should go to ever um, in Nottingham, or that the uh, the issues we had around the hotel shenanigans and dirty pint glasses and all this stuff. So basically, it was like a a weekend of awesome people and and fun games and bad real life stuff ruining it. Yeah, that was cool, but yeah, that was I'd, doubles I'd really. Re- I'd recommend going to one of those events if you're into sort of like that's if your hobby is not all about crushing people on the table going to like you know the narrative events and the, the campaign weekends because i think that the doubles event felt like it was one of those it didn't feel like a cutting edge tournament and you know i did a, an old 40k um campaign weekend and it was brilliant so i totally recommend that to to anyone who wants to get involved and do that i think for me that the doubles event used to be quite big and it used to be full of a lot of people taking very cutthroat um armies and it was a lot more popular and it i didn't think it was advertised particularly well because i didn't even know about it until you mentioned it on the show like the week recording the week before um but to be honest like i think what's i really like about doubles is that you don't have to spend the entire time on the table 
like because there's two of you like if you want to go and get drinks from the bar you can just go and do that and you're not you know it's fine because somebody else is there so the game's not stopped you know um and also if you want to talk to the other person and find out about them while some of the other two are working out of combat you can do that as well yeah, I mean, it's, it's the obvious thing to say, but they are more sociable, but it's not just because it's a double and you're there with your friend. There's um, yeah. there's many more reasons why it works out being so. Yeah, so I thought it was quite good because the um, the Neo guys were running um, Convergence, weren't they, on the Saturday? Yeah. Um, and I was able to go over and uh, talk to a few of them and, and get mistaken for Scott, which was awesome. Absolutely. Yeah, right. yeah. <laughs> so, so cheers, cheers, Bishmaster. Uh, so, um, yeah. So, uh, but anyway, it was good to go and see that and look at some of the the cool hobby that was going on over there, and and you know, just just almost like you know, be able to step away from the table to go and talk to people, even though you know, we were we were still keeping the game going and we were still playing games of Warhammer. So it was really cool, but yeah. yeah. Awesome. So um, that's it, really. Do you have anything else you want to say about it, Byron or Les? Do you have any? No, it's just um, I think we covered it quite well. I mean, not we're, very, we're not we're going to give it a full on review, blow 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 games and stuff. It was just a really. I just felt like you know it just did. Other than a few little things like no Swiss and stuff like that, um, it I just felt it was a really really fun weekend. You know. Yeah. Just, Good to get away. Didn't take it too seriously. Let let my hair down. Had a laugh. Good. It's nice to have my elves out for the first time in a year and a bit, um, and get some nice comments about them. And it's kind of it's given me a bit of a kick up the arse to finally fix a couple of the models in there that like one was broken by the salute judges over a year ago now, and I just haven't been able to face trying to fix it. It's difficult. It's the yeah. barrel off model. So getting it out and having people say some nice things uh both from working at gw and and other people as well as it's given me a bit of motivation so i'm now <laughs> i've uh i've got a uh, an arrow off that terry's given me and i'm going to work out how to fix him so it was yeah just yeah. nice to have the blue out for a bit yeah um it's quite nice to go to every gw event we've been to i, I felt that we've been we what I won painting at Warlords. Terry won painting at Heat One. Um, Gilmore beat us at Heat Two, but we were in contention, weren't we? We were there, and then you guys won painting there. So it was like you know every every one award event at the moment. You've seen the hobby side up. Yeah, not just about the gaming. In that case, then, so I think that will about wrap up the doubles section. So I think we're gonna have a little quick break, and then when we come back, we're gonna talk about Blight Kings and uh, death so we'll speed in a minute Facehammer is sponsored by Element Games so for great customer service all the latest Age of Sigmar releases at 20% off and all your hobby needs go to www.elementgames.co.uk to support us directly click through the banner on our website and let them know that you came from us And we're back from the break. So we're going to talk about Blight Kings uh, and Tom's army that you took to the Six Nations. Um, so, Tom, what did you take? Uh, so I'll run it through. It 
full credit, the list wasn't my idea. Um, it was given to me by Kieran from the Cheltenham Club. So, and the models were as well. I um, borrowed from one of the other clubmates. Uh, Les, you'll know his name. Uh, thank uh, him Perrin, for me. James Perrin. James Perrin. So, yes, thank you if you're listening. So, the list itself was uh, a Harbinger with Lord of War, Festus, Gut Rot Spume, Lord of Plagues with a Crown of Command, Rockbringer Sorcerer with a Crown of Command, Five Blight Kings, 14 Blight Kings, and 14 Blight Kings. And that was it. Um, so the, the formation there as well is the Everchosen one. The, I can't remember the name off the top of my head, but it's the one-drop um, formation that basically gives the entire army minus one to hit in combat. Any combat attacks that hit the army reflect a mortal wound on a wound roll of a six or more. And there is a little breath weapon attack that unit champions can do, which I forgot about all weekend. Um, so the list itself was... Go on, sorry. That that reflect wound, do you want to just clarify that a little bit? Because I've not heard of that. Is that So that's so, if they that's in roll the a six phase. to wound against you? Yes. They take a mortal wound. Okay, that's interesting. So, uh, yeah, it's really good against things with lots of attacks. And it's also good at just chipping the last wound off things. Mm. Just letting it hit you. And there was there was loads of instances where the Blight Kings were in combat with things and the the guy who was playing just chose not to attack. Yeah. Because it was better for him not to attack and not kill himself than the other way. Um, So the list itself was designed under... A different scoring system uh, and I don't know whether I'd misread it or whether it changed midway through um, but I was under the impression that the scoring system for teams was that we basically just had to win the rounds and it was based on round wins were, were the sort of the positionings but it was actually just total battle points scored yeah. so originally the list was designed to get sort of like your typical ETC style army of old so your your draws, your minor losses, and then the occasional win if you manage to place it in the right matchup. Um, so it was a very defensive army by nature. Um, when we then, because the, the thought was that if we can win four games out of eight and I get five points, that's a round win. So we can sort of pair into it that way. Uh, the way that it actually worked, though, was that it was total battle points. So I had to change the way that I was playing massively. So I had to be aggressive with my movement for Bloke Army, which was loads of fun. Uh, so it's a little bit different from the list that I've taken in the past in that the minus one to hit that I rely on all the time is only from combat attacks in this one, not from shooting. But that, the fact that it was a team event, I could dodge the really heavy shooty armies a lot of the time so that wasn't a massive issue uh, the combat was where it was needed the most anyway and then from a scenario point of view it just looked at sort of being able to play at least four of the six really well so it, it does escalation well it does gift relatively well um it's good at it's really good at taking hold because it ain't moving yeah and you don't really want to be the, playing Blood and Glory or Border War with it, I suppose. Yeah, so Blood, uh, Border War's not too bad. 
because the okay. objectives are closer together. Blood and Glory is the one that I just didn't really want to play at all. It was good though because we had someone else that was good at that, didn't we? We did, Les. Well, I guess <laughs> yeah. three places of power is not brilliant for you because you yeah, don't want exactly. to spread three, all your heroes out, do you? Three places relies on some really good run rolls on turn one. If I get them, I think I win most of the time. If mm. I don't, it's really hard to get back. Yeah. So, so you, in terms of like this, quite an interesting army. Then, did you you did take that purely for a team event? You thought, well, I can protect myself from those missions and. It's an army that can basically play anything, or are you worried yeah. about certain things? So, it, it, I would never take it to a singles event. No. In that there are a few armies that it physically cannot win against. So you sort of, you're ambushing Caradrons, you Skyfires. Um, mm, on On paper, it shouldn't ever win, I don't think. No. Just because of the the save on the Star Drake, and then it'll just sort of glum up some Blight Kings. Three Blight Kings uh, a turn or whatever. Yeah, and I'm not I'm not quick enough as an army, and I don't have any fly with no sail and things like that, so I can't sort of move away from it. Yeah. It can just sort of sit in front of me every turn. Um, so, wasn't... Yeah, that wasn't a great one either. But the, it, you sh- normally, like, Rook as well, like, I, the, with the Rook with the Stone Horns is... A pointless endeavor. Mm. Um, uh, so yeah, so it, it being a team event though, sort of meant that if I needed to play against one of those, I can just bubble up and see what happens. But for the most part, in knowing that we needed to go out and win as many games as possible, we just had to pair it into yeah. armies that have to fight it for the most part. Because mm-hmm. I don't think there are many armies in the game that will outfight it. No. So you you've got that you've got the five up resilience safe in the harboring, I guess, is your general. Yeah, exactly. Then... So harboring's there for for the five up save, so you sort of tail the blight kings off. You've got enough um, enough ablative wounds to keep a few out of combat and just stay within seven of the harbinger. Lord of War, just to give one unit of fourteen blight kings plus one to hit for the crucial turn, as well as various other hit buffs is massive. Uh Festus was great in that he just knocked saves down every now and then. I, I, I get the feeling no one's ever played against Festus before. He's because, really good, isn't he? Yeah. Doesn't he, <laughs> I've never played he with him either. He gives you a way to, to heal another character. Because you can basically yeah, again, I, you can heal the Harbringer, so he can sit next to the Harbringer and keep him alive. And his spell is minus one save, isn't it? And because Black Kings don't have Rend, it's, it's like really good. Yeah. It's permanent and it stacks for the so it's permanent for the battle and you can stack it so you can go Star Drake off, Star Drake off, Star Drake off, and then before you know it, you're on a four up. <laughs> yeah, really strong. So yeah, and then the, the two other characters were there to fill in the formation slots um, and to be able to take the crowns. So I had yeah. a double crown of command for the two units of Light Kings to be immune to battle shock. For Gut Rot Spoon, I just want to talk about about Gut Rot Spoon. Why Gut Rot Spoon? What's he do? Um, he's, I must admit, I, I'm having not played an awful lot of AOS. I'm not great at using individual sort of supporty characters yet, but in the games that I did remember to use him properly, he was amazing. So his, for his pseudopod thing. So yeah, he's, he's just a normal Lord of Plagues in terms of damage output, but his tentacles are incredible. So pick a model, pick a weapon 
Um, roll a dice. If your opponent equals or lower, then the model that you pick can't attack with that weapon in the combat phase. Mm. So against pretty good sort of if you get uh, one goal, tie well. up like Derfu <laughs> or something, isn't it? Any anything with only one good weapon. So he took a charge from a tomb king on a chariot and just took his spear off him. So the chariot charged in, all it's hitting with is horses. Yeah, they could be quite deadly though, horses. <laughs> yeah. <No>. If, uh, <laughs> if you go no, by he's... the old school uh, Warhammer adage of the horse is deadlier than the rider. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, he was he was there to fill a slot more than anything. Um so that didn't duplicate any of the non named characters and he fit within the points as well but he he actually was quite good but he because he wasn't your general was he so he just no he's got a command ability but that's pretty like situational has he i don't i don't even know oh he's got his called towering arrogance so um uh if he does seven wounds um between like hero phases um he heals all his wounds Okay. If he inflicts six or fewer, he punishes and he takes a more wound. So basically, if he so does a lot of damage, he, it no. Um, he, can, he's, he has to do what seven wounds. Yeah, between um, so over two rounds essentially until your next hero phase. So it could be over. Yeah, it could be over like one one turn because if you got a double turn, or it could be over three if you got doubled. But. Mm. It's okay, I suppose. But... Yeah, the the five up save from the Harbinger was just it's uh, auto, absolute... isn't it? that's just better, isn't it? Just yeah, it's, it's so good. And the Lord of Plays, just... like he's just there for the formation, is he? Uh, you don't even need him for the formation. He was just um, like he could have been another Nurgle character. Um, I think it, the the characters were based around what um, what was painted. Yeah, yeah. So, but like, again, he's, like the he's good. Thing, so. he's, he's not named, so he can take, um, mm. take the magic items. So, yeah, free attack, freeze, and freeze minus one damage d three on a yeah. roll of six. Uh, each enemy unit uh, roll of dice for each enemy unit within three. Also, each unit within three of any models yeah. with this ability. Is that Nurgle's right? Is that the same as the Blight King's ability? I believe so. Yeah. Yeah. So it doesn't stack then because it's models, which is a bit of a shame. But uh, mm. yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, oh no, there's his brilliant yeah. discharge. So there you go. Yeah, they have different names, so you can. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Um, and the Rockbringer Sorcerer is just Mystic Shield, is it, or was he pretty much? Yeah. I've, I've, in four tournaments of using him, I've never cast his spell. Yeah, is it, is it like a breath weapon or something? Yeah, it's like range seven or something. Yeah, that doesn't seem brilliant, does it? No. Um, so yeah, he's he's Mystic Shield on the, the Blight Kings that are about to go in, actually. Yeah. But Festus is awesome, isn't he? So, Festus is brilliant, yeah. I, mean, um, just, I barely used his potion. His potion's um, like one of the best things, isn't it? Yeah, so I, I had him in positions to use it all the time, but because we matched up into things that sort of had to just fight me on foot. None of my characters ever really took a wound. Yeah, but like, you can do other... D3 mortals on them as well, can't you? Yeah, I, again, this this comes into why I'm not very good at using characters in that he was never yeah. in combat. Yeah, 
because you, you're quite good if you just tags on the end of a combat, you know, and you, you're yes. not getting the tap back, and he's just there going, take D3 mortals, take D3 mortals, and then he's healing as well, one wound a turn anyway, and if he gets low, you can just potion yourself, retreat yeah. out, potion yourself, and I don't I think he's awesome. He's one of my favourite Nurgle um, models as well. I love that model so much. Um, yeah. Even like the little monsters ink Nurgling putting the leg in the in the backpack, I think it's brilliant. <laughs> so <laughs> it's a uh, Mike Wazowski Nurgling. Yeah, little, little little mischievous chap just sat on there. So yeah, good. That's quite interesting then. So with the Blight Kings then, I mean the damage output, you, I mean I know you're using some buffs and you're relying on them hitting you to do more wins back. Um and you've you've obviously got Lord of War to give them exploding attacks. Are they do people do you find people just underestimated them? Massively. All the time. Um they I get I think so we've spoke about this sort of off the air before. You roll enough dice and things start dying. Yeah. Um the amount of extra plus ones to hit you can get from the damn terrain or from the allegiance ability, things like that. Just as soon as you're exploding on fours, not much is living. Yeah. And you can you can all you can very reliably get fours, and like you at minimum your fives for the for the right unit at the right time. And again, you you rend if there's a target that absolutely needs to die, then you can hang back a turn until you've dropped it save by one. Yeah, like basically anything without a two up save, I was more than happy going into. Um, so some of the things they struggled with were fulminators. Yeah. Um, two up re-rollable, sort of. Not great, but again, well, as soon as you drop them down to a three, and they're only re-rolling the ones, they, they died pretty easily. But yeah, it's, it's just a case of rolling enough dice. And honestly, my, my arm was hurting after some games. The amount, you, the amount of dice that you need to roll, it's unreal. You said to um, me, you, you rolled, what, 136 or something? And you were just like, my arm, I just couldn't be bothered to roll the dice. Le- you legit. Legit, my arm was hurting after day one. That's quite funny. You're not used to Age of Sigma, though, are you? No. Because I, I, I know it can be like that. I mean, with my Bloodbound army, I found the amount of dice you end up rolling, you know, you just sometimes it's just ridiculous. So, Yeah, it's, it's just sort of getting 10 of the 14 in combat, 30 attacks, exploding yeah. on fours. It's, uh, it's just... I think I either need bigger hands or smaller dice. As long as you don't get loads of little, little tiny ones, yellow dice with black pips, and yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, they they all hit. Did you not see them? Yeah, because <laughs> you not tell when they were stacked yeah. on top of each other. Pay, and, um, need to pay um, more attention. Yeah, horrible. Um, okay, cool. So, um, in terms of the weekend, like the Six Nations, then what did you play that? Was there any surprises? Like you played something and thought, oh, I'm not, it's not too bad, and actually you struggled. Or you played against stuff and you, you felt it was a really good matchup for you? Or did you talk about so, that? In terms of round by round, um, round one we played against Northern Ireland. I was matched up against a vampire. Uh, I put vampire counts on here. <laughs> Death. <laughs> Death army. <laughs> uh, which was a combination of sort of the Tomb Kings and normal death stuff so it had sort of a lot of skeleton horsemen tomb king on chariot it had manfred coven throne and mortis engines at three big that's quite unusual choices like manfred and 
coven throne and not two things you normally see on the table. No, although Beguile was incredible on the Blight Kings. Yeah. Um, and he also had 10 hex rates. Right. Um, essentially, we played that one. Again, they're not a unit power. you see. They're not a unit you see very often. No, what, like, there was quite a lot of this over the weekend. And that, whether this was people who were just bringing the models that they had or whether they were designed to play certain scenarios. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, we, we played that. His arm is really fast. Um, but again, because I outdrop him, it was three places. I sort of bubbled around two of them with the assumption that if I can get on them turn one with a decent run roll, and then the Blight, if the Blight Kings can go further than the characters, I can shield them. And at that point, I'm, I'm fairly safe. And basically, that's what happened. So turn one, I was on the objectives with Blight King shield. And both the Blight King units were buffed by damn terrain. Right. So to his turn one, he basically charges his entire army into into the sort of the two units of Blight Kings at the at the front. And he, I think he killed one Blight King and I took a lot of stuff off. I think I killed eight Hex Wraiths, Mortis Engine, uh, a full unit of Skeleton Horsemen. I couldn't quite kill the Vampires because they were healing as they were wounding over the game. But essentially we called that turn three because I, I, he hadn't taken a place of power all game. Right, okay. So he basically just bounced off the, the front line of the Blight Kings. So you managed to get the was, wall position then? Yeah, there was a few things that I had to do to stop some cheeky things. Like he had the, I'm going to butcher this, Cloak of Mist and Shadows yeah, yeah. on the Coven Throne. So essentially I just had to make sure that there wasn't a place that he could land behind me from yeah. the combat so that he couldn't just teleport out of combat and start sort of going into the characters at the back. But I just made sure there was uh, the characters were spaced out enough that the base wouldn't fit in. Other mm. than that, that sort of again it, it had to engage me, um, and I ground it out eventually. And I say we called it when he just had the characters left because I was up too many points at that point. Well, that's interesting because you thought it was a bad matchup as well. He's got lots of fast survivable heroes, um, so yeah, it sounds like you you played quite well in that one to win that. Uh, second round was sort of the, the, as we've all played team events, it's always the round that you take one for the team. Uh, and I played against Caradrons, oh, right. which is Andy Curry. We had, we had a great game, actually. But I heard about I, this uh, army. Yeah, I got, uh, I don't know, pick a family-friendly word. It wasn't it wasn't family-friendly on the day, though. <laughs> you, got non, <laughs> you got unfamily-friendlyed in that game, is what you're saying. We'll go with that, Yeah. <laughs> Did you get uh, did you get blight kinged? I got I got blight kinged, a hundred percent. Yeah, we played a turn. So what happened then? So explain what his army did and how it so did. His, his army was um, Iron Sky Command one drop, Caradron army with Zilfin dropping the Ironclad with the world on it. Yeah. Um, so we were both one drop armies. I won the role, so I got the choice of first or second turn, which was a really difficult one. Because if I don't take the first turn and don't get my inspiring presences up, I lose anyway. If I do take the first turn and get the inspiring presence up, I have the chance of getting double turned and losing. So it was a I took the first turn just to get the buffs up. And it was escalation, so I basically just got on the objectives and thought, well, let's just see how long I can hold them for. Mm. Turns out it wasn't very long. 
So he he dropped in. So his army was the ironclad, the standard three tens of Arkanauts with the skyhooks, um, nine engine riggers with three grapnels, three engine riggers with a grapnel, uh, one sky warden unit with the uh, drill cannon and volley gun, four chemists, um, and the admiral which is needed for the formation so okay. turn one he drops in uh double chemist buffs two we units of frigates or anything then nope no and mm, the more okay. i think about it the less i think you want one right. but he yeah so he he came in with double chemist on both units of arconauts with the skyhooks um, so he has 18 plus the three shots from the back guys, so 21 Skyhawk shots, and, and essentially just killed all my characters. Because right. they with the with damn terrain that he dropped on, they're hitting the characters on twos. I suppose you take damn terrain, take the normal Arcanauts off, and then just, yeah. then you still not reduced your Skyfire, uh, your Skyhawk shots. Let's be honest, you, your seven other guys aren't really there to do anything other than mm-hmm. be wounds for your Skyhawks. Yeah. So yeah, it drops in under damn terrain, hits the characters on twos, 21 shots, takes all the characters off. Uh, and then he gets the double turn and then buffs up the, the unit of nine Endron Riggers with all four chemists, charges into one unit of the Blight Kings, does 49 wounds to them, just takes an entire unit of Blight Kings off. Is that just with the saws? Yeah. So just why did he take grapples? Five attacks each. Uh, the grapnels again. The same reason we spoke about the other day. It's just the the extra movement and because that guy doesn't that, get his melee weapon, does he? So he, no. But if you've got if you if you've got four chemists, like losing, so you're you're still going in with six guys with five attacks each. So you get thirty one, including your champion. The three grapnels just essentially make sure you get in. Oh, was it one unit? Was it? Yeah, one, one unit, unit nine. nine. Right. Yes. Okay. So essentially, they they had four chemists on them. The reason you take the three in that respect is you don't you don't want to put four chemists on a unit with two grapnels and then not roll a four up. Yeah, that's just ultra sad times. And so the third one just guarantees it. Yeah, we had a quick conversation about damn terrain with the grapnels and worked out that it doesn't give you plus one because it's not a shooting attack. Mm-hmm. Uh, it specifies the four plus. Um, so yeah, he just teleports across the board, kills the other unit of Black Kings. We just call it that at that point. I can't, I can't do anything. But I knew that going in, and it was nice to play against the Overlords. Yeah, just because I'm you an thinking idea of what you're doing with yours, doesn't it? So yeah, so that was a uh, really interesting, dead nice guy. Really, you know, we had a chance to have a quick chat about everything while he was reaming me. So it was yeah. interesting. Uh, but yeah, it was it was a good game. But I I knew going into it, I was paired, and I had the choice of taking the Skyfires or the Caradron Overlords. Um, and essentially, had a quick chat with everybody else, and everybody else was more confident against the Skyfires because they knew what they did. Yeah, yeah. So so I'll just, just took it. I'll just team. take it. Whatever. I was gonna. I can't beat either of the armies. So yeah, you might as well take that's the worst for the team, isn't you? So. Yeah, Scotland paired really well into that. Um, they were, I know we'll probably talk about this a little bit later, they were ultra-prepared for the event. So yeah. uh, their matchups were were pretty much on point throughout. Um, yeah, really good game, but never never had a chance to win. 
uh, game. Do you, want, do you want me to carry on doing round by round? Now? I'd like to go into loads yeah. of detail. Just, just if there was a particular matchup you thought, oh yeah, that didn't go so well, or that was interesting. So obviously, quite interested yeah. in that second game, but it's up to you. Really. So round round three was an interesting one. Um, I got a bit of a cob on because I was paired into it, but actually, you know, they, when you say, oh, it was a bad matchup that didn't turn out to be that bad. Right, we is played that a northern thing, cob on. Is that you getting annoyed? Just, yeah, I got. I, I had a bit of a, a chat, Tony. You, you, well, you bottom lip mate, didn't you, at the start? Oh, I did, because I was yeah. told I was playing against um, Stormcast with loads of prosecutors, and at no point was I told there was a dragon in there. Right, I see. So I'm like, oh, you've paired me against it. It was a Drake's One Templar, not a Star Drake. Yeah, it's right. a baby. That makes so a I, to me, it, it does, yeah. To me, it was still a big dragon that I couldn't kill. So I got the bottom lip came out. Um, it was against Matt Hinton, who I've played before. I really enjoyed games against him. So, we, yeah, we were playing Blood and Glory as well, which again, not which a great scenario for me. So that's two two of the out of three games you've played the two weakest scenarios there. Yeah, <laughs> not saying anything, Tony. Uh, and we'll get well, actually. It's quite <laughs> interesting. We'll talk about that when we talk about the the event proper. But so we played this and my sort of idea i took tony to one side and and jack armstrong as well because he was right next to me saying right i can i can play to try and get a win or i can just corner it take one objective and mean he's never going to get a major off me so i'm going to walk out with five points yeah yeah yeah. um so we, we agreed that was sort of that was the plan um he was using i don't know the name of the formation but the prosecutors that can teleport liberators around wing Yes, and all the prosecutors move in the charge phase. I thought it was really good. It's amazing. Yeah, I was so impressed by that, especially when I'm using movement for blokes. I'm never going to catch anything. And the Um, Liberator unit that teleports around is actually really good. Yes. Yeah, he held up a... The 10 Liberators held up a unit of Black Kings for a while. Yeah, Um, particularly if he had Castellants to buff them. Yeah, which, which he did. Yeah. So the sort of the gist of this was I, I set up in a corner, very, very defensive, made sure there was nowhere that he could drop behind me and do any shenanigans. Um, at the start of the game, I sort of, I said to him, look, this is, this is how I'm going to play. I'm not going to be, not going to be moving anywhere. If you want 15 points now, you know, we can have it and we can go and sit in the sun and have a beer. Um, but he decided to play the game. Maybe he thought he could get the major win or maybe he just wanted to play the game, which, you know, I'm not going to complain at that as well. No, we um, do go to war and tournaments to play games, don't they? So exactly, yeah. So Apparently. we we played it out, and he he went in for the to try and get the twenty. Uh, gave me one turn where I think it was turn three. So we, the liberators were in turn one. I eventually got rid of them by the start of my three. Um, my three, the Star Drake or the Drake Swan Templar was over the board, ready to start eating characters trying to get towards the objective. Managed to hit it with Festus's spell and thought, well, do you know what? Let's have a go. Let's see let's see what happens. Uh, got the charge in with 14 Light Kings with Lord of War. Managed to get the Allegiance ability as well, so it was exploding. Oh, nice. uh, caused 93 wounds to it. Wow. So, that, yeah, he, he, he died before finishing rolling. Yeah. even half of the saves we were halfway through the game and i can just remember like a noise going up and it's like jack's like he's killed the star drake <laughs> you know just <laughs> it was amazing. amazing 
Um, so that I know still wasn't in the greatest of positions because it was late on in the game. Um and I, I still only had one objective because of the way that I deployed. Yeah. But I managed to make some sort of relatively long charges, like nines, but I get plus one to charge with the Black King banner. Yeah. So they're like eights and sevens on dice, which not unlike not, not the most unlikely. No, but but you need, I made a made a couple them, of so. them to get. Essentially I finished with three objectives over his one. Uh, so I got the fifteen out nice. of it, which I was dead pleased at finishing the day. Yeah, sounds like a good result. Uh and then so round four, this would be a dead quick one. Um I played against the Nurgle army on Taken Hold and we sat there for five turns, did nothing, and was Tanta. Woo, boring snore. Love that mission. It it was. I I had the opportunity to try and get a minor just to win on VPs, just to try and get up by sort of even a hundred or so. But I went for it a turn later than I should have done, which meant that I needed a really long charge, which I didn't get. Right, I see. I could have potentially got a, a minor, but I didn't want to risk it at the point. Yeah. We we knew as a team going into it round four and five that we just wanted to to guarantee as many points as possible. Because they weren't, um, there was no capping, was there? So there was no. no reason to push. No, and that's something we'll sort of get to later on. But yeah, there was there was no cap, so it was just a case of score whatever points you can. And I thought a guaranteed ten's better than seventy five percent chance at fifteen. Yeah, and twenty five percent chance at five. Yeah, his his army was really good, which was it was double great and clean one. Loads yeah, okay. of plate bearers, lo- loads of blight drones, Nurgle demon prints. But then, just randomly, unthematically, there were six hell striders. Yeah, that's weird. Just for that the, minus one just, to hit. Just minus one to hit. Banner, yeah. yeah. Build your own blight kings. Yeah. Um, but they, they just but they, like sideways in the middle of one of the big plate bearer exactly. units. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Right. Just snaked around the entire back line, which meant that the blight kings needed Lord of War to even explode on sixes. Yeah. And the, the moment that they can't explode, Blight Kings are pretty bad. So I just yeah. thought, you know, it's not it's not worth taking the risk in and not getting Lord of War or Allegiance ability or something like that. Because if I lose a unit of Blight Kings, that's five hundred points. It's difficult to get get it back. Yeah. Exactly. So yeah, we just we just played out the ten ten. We played the game. We didn't just agree on it, but the game didn't last very long. Yeah. I suppose it's not always a bad thing, is it? It's just bank the ten and go see yeah, what exactly. else is doing. It was good though, because like when because you, you finished so quickly, you and Jack were like really sort of, um, sort of like I don't know, sort of like running the floor between the games. It was really good just to have you yeah. guys both both about and sort of like checking up on stuff. It was like it felt like there was a lot of support from you guys and stuff, which is, was great. Uh, and then round five, we played against Team Scandinavia. I played against, I think he was called Jonathan, and I'm really sorry if he's listening and I've got his name wrong. Uh, he was using straight-up Fire Slayers. Yeah, it was Jonathan. Oh, okay. Oh, awesome. uh, which was really cool. I was considering, to be honest, I, a lot of the stuff in the, the day or the weekend I'd never played against before, but this was a complete new experience for me. Some really interesting armies from what you're saying that you've played against. They were all interesting, yeah. They were... I think, I think Scandinavia were particularly inventive with theirs, and not yeah. like, oh, that's funky, um, like, he's brave because it's also shit, but, like, that's funky, and especially in a team environment, I can really see how that's good. 
Definitely, yeah. You know, like when we used to go to the ETC and like Germany would always break it somehow. Yeah, they'd bring we'd never seen it. Quirky armies, wouldn't they? That people hadn't and planned for. You sort of read these lists and you, you're thinking, oh, do they know something we don't? But yeah, the fight, the fight slates was interesting. Um, but it sort of came down to the fact that he needed to fight me to do anything. Yeah, and I'd fight him a lot better than he fights me. At the end of the day, you can uh, be as quirky with movement and all the rest of it as you want to be, but you've still got to fight at the end of the day, haven't you? So. Yeah, so they... I think, are they called half-guard, the basic yeah. dudes? Half-guard uh, berserkers, maybe? Half-guard yeah. berserkers, I don't know. Yeah. But he, he had 30 of them that tunneled up in front of a unit of Light Kings that had a... I think they had a four-up re-rollable save and then the four-up ward. Yeah, that's... various. That's cool. And various buffs. Um, I festus them down to a six-up rerollable armor save, and nice. then went in, went in with Blight King's under damned Lord of War and Allegiance ability. So oh. explode, exploding on threes. I did Take a, that unit off. I did hundred and sixty-five wounds. Amazing. Oh no, sorry, hundred and twenty-five. I think it was, but yeah, like just take them off. Don't that's, even. That's incredible. You didn't even roll his saves. No. Really? Just didn't bother. It's just that I've 30 wounds, you've done 125. Like, I'm not saving that. I just took them off. And then the other unit of fire slays on the other side of the board, uh, we had a five-up exploding unit go into them, and they were only 25 guys, but still took took a lot of them off. That was um, Border War. And he basically tunneled up on both of them second, both of the um, middle objectives. Yeah. And he was sat there for a couple of turns, so just racking the points up. But by turn three, I'd killed everything. Yeah. So bar, bar ten berserkers that were sat on his objective at the back. And we again we called it there because I was going to kill them the turn afterwards, and I had two two full turns of scoring every objective on the board. Yeah. So I think people. I think the main thing that people sort of didn't realise with the Blight Kings is that they're movement four, but they char- everything charges 2d6. Yeah. It doesn't matter what your basic movement is. If you give me a seven or an eight charge, especially since I get plus one, I can be just as fast as everyone else. Yeah. And I, I'm never worried about needing to take turn, so I'm always on a double. Yeah, it's so basically moment- you're, you're like, well, I don't care because I'm, I'm defensive and if you attack me, I'm attacking you back anyway. So Yeah, and say you like you put Lord of War on a unit of Blight Kings and, and just run them forward with Arcane Shield on. If you're not getting the next turn, that means that your Lord of War's last an extra turn and you don't have to re-roll your shield. Yeah. Yeah. So you just guaranteed that the unit's buffed for a second turn. If you do get the double, you're just in a position to capitalize anyway. Yeah, that's the good thing about about those kind of buffs, aren't they? That you can I always find it like, did you did you find that you were using your army in waves? So you had like one unit of Blight Kings as the first wave, and the next unit ready to go, or did you have them kind of side by side in two different side areas? by side for the side by side for the most part? Um, just because of the fact that I only had three units, and a lot of the scenarios rely on you capturing multiple objectives. Yeah. So I, taken hold, I deployed in waves, but we never actually played the game. Exactly. No. So. Okay. Cool. Um. Interesting. Yeah, that was, that was it. So we had a couple of, we had a draw, an absolute drubbing, and then some wins, which I was dead dead happy with for a defensive army. Again, if you can play the scenario and, and people have to play on your terms, 
yeah. I think this, there isn't many better lists out there. Because you were talking about take, taking the Glockkin, weren't you? So I was initially just looking at taking the list that I've always taken, so Glockkin with the Blightguard formation, but I lost Sail because Terry had taken him, and you couldn't duplicate War Scrolls. Yeah. Um. So, and again, assuming that the team event worked on a round win system rather than just a straight up score as many points as you can, I think yeah. that list is, the, the list that I talk is miles better in that. I actually think in a team event it's better than the Glockin list anyway. Yeah, I think so. Because he's, the Glockin's great, but there are so many monsters that beat him for the same points. It's now. just basically you end up in the matchup process going, well, I can't play that, I can't play that, I can't play that. Yeah, like if, if something can kill the Glockin turn one or two, you, it's just no point. If you, with Sale, you can afford to use Glockin as a throwaway. You can just chuck him into the middle of an army and say, right, deal with him for a few turns while I do everything else. Yeah. But everything was so honed, like the, the lists that would kill the Glockin would kill him dead turn one. Yeah. The amount of Thunder Tusks and Stonehorns and Skyfires and sort of all the all the good stuff, unsurprisingly. Yeah. Shock. <laughs> yeah. Um, so uh, right, it's nice. Cool. It's nice to do well with something that's sort of off the wall, though. It's... Did you did you find that when you played people, um, they were just like either went into the game super confident, or just didn't really get what your army did, and just they didn't know how to play against it. They just kind of went, "Oh, I don't really sure." Uh, definitely, I think nobody expected the damage output that they can do. Because if you I think it's one of those things, you read the Blight King War Scroll, and you think, well, they're, they're okay. Yeah. Um, but sort of abusing the plus ones to hit just makes them so, so much better. But I think I people think... get people get really cocky, I think, when, when your army doesn't rend. Yeah, yeah. Everyone's like, oh, I've got a three-up save, I can just space marine it. But either with Festus knocking it to a four, or just the fact that I make you roll so many dice, it doesn't really matter. Yeah, I think I think for me, like, the two key bits of your army is Festus and the Harbinger. Yeah. Did anyone, did anyone really concentrate on taking those characters out? Were they, like, high-priority targets for people, or, or was it they uh, just didn't really bother? So Andy, Andy with the Caradrons did, but he killed all my characters, so that doesn't really count. Um, Matt Hinton had a go, but again, the characters getting the, if you're bubbling, the characters get the five up mortal wound save yeah. as well. And again, and you've got Festus, you you've got Festus heal healing them. You've yeah. got the Blight Kings healing them. Yeah. There's loads, unless you kill them in a turn, a lot of the time they're just either, yeah, they've healed a couple of wounds and they've got six, seven wounds, most seven wounds a piece for the big ones. They're, they're not easy to kill. They've got a good save. A smallish base size for a lot of them, so you can hit you get them in terrain quite easily. Um, I didn't do much combat with any of the characters; they were all there just for buffs. The Blight Kings did virtually everything. Hmm, interesting. All right, so um, I think that's probably everything about your army there, Tom. So yeah, there's not much to it. Blight Kings and characters. There you go. Sounds boring, <laughs> but also fun at the same time. I, do you know? I I thought that going in, but it was great fun. Uh, rolling rolling so many dice is always fun. Yeah. And I suppose because you haven't got that many units, it doesn't feel too much like a chore. Yeah, and sort of... I take... Play, like, doing things that you should never be able to do as well. Yeah. Like, 
killing big monsters with a two up save with an aunt with a unit that doesn't have any rend. Yeah, I think there's a really hard to math out. Oh, what's the damage of that unit? Am I going to survive it? Because it's so swingy, depending on how many fives or sixes you roll. So it's yeah. just like it, you could just not roll many, and it does hardly anything, or it could just go nuts. Um, so I think it's really hard when you play against it to kind of anticipate the damage. Yeah. So I think it's quite cool. Um, all right, cool. So um, we're going to talk then to Byron about his death army that he took to the Six Nations. Um, we're not going to talk too much detail about Terry and Les's armies because we've talked about those sort of style armies. But once we've done with Byron, we'll have a break, come back, and we'll talk about um, the Six Nations in general and the event and the matchup process and how the team got on and things like that. So we'll cover bits in there. But uh, Byron, so death for you to the Six um, Nations? Yeah, so um, we said we're not carrying... Uh, we're not covering Terry or Lezzers because they've taken them before. I've taken this before, but I've not taken it for a while. And um, as Tom mentioned, because of the the ban on duplication and the fact that we had another death player, Tony Team Captain was playing death. Um, <clears throat> I was slightly restricted in terms of what I could take, so I had the option to borrow armies. But I thought, you know what, I well, I'd like to play with something that I know I'm not going to be embarrassed with how it looks like on the table because all of my armies that are done to a basic standard I'm still happy with playing and also I should just play something that I knew how to play particularly given it was a team event I could rock up with netlist filth and I'm sure if I had turned up with the um what the kind of, strike that was what was people yeah saying. it's basically the the goblin ruck if you want to call it that um with the the, the, thund- the, ruck. <laughs> the the thunder tusk heavy um fanatic spaffing out uh, version of it, which Maxime kind of took a while back at Blood and Glory itself at, at the same venue, and people have been toting around ever since. Um, I I just thought I should play something that I had a better idea of how to use, particularly given that there were going to be some funky lists at the event. Um, I think I wanted a, to know what my army did. <laughs> I think that's a key point. Like if you you saw well and good look, going this is a strong army, take this army, but if you're not comfortable with it. You, it's not really a good idea because you're not you're not going to play it as well as somebody who's been playing that for a while, and maybe it doesn't even suit your play style, and then you might not even enjoy using it, and then you're in a real you're basically not enjoying yourself, not being as good as you could have been, and feeling a little bit like oh I'm, I'm kind of letting the team down. I think it's, yeah. it's a good decision to take something that you've you feel comfortable with. Well, I've said this all the time as well, mm-hmm. like you. You've got to be comfortable with what you're using in AOS because you're not going to know everything that everybody else's stuff does. So having having an intricate knowledge of yours, it means if you're not if you get caught out by something, you you immediately you're thinking of avenues back. Yeah, and again with the matchups, you can again you can mitigate some of that as well. You forget scenarios as well. I think that's that's one of the biggest key things if you're looking to play well with an army. Um, if you don't know the army so much, I think it's very easy to lose sight of them or you, you almost do the opposite and you just play the scenarios and forget that your guys you don't quite know how to use. So I walked up with death. I couldn't use zombies because they're in Tony's list, but I was massively helped by the fact that Tony's list was so weird because he was running the gash. So <laughs> there was very, very little crossover between our two death lists, which is probably fairly unusual. So I rocked up with what's, what's basically a list that has 
core, which is three units of ten skeletons, and it's got three 400-point blocks, each of which do a different thing. So it's got a Vampire Lord and Zombie Dragon, who is incredibly important to the list, but isn't the so damage good. from the list. Yeah, so I mean, he's really expensive. He's 440 points, which hurts every time he dies so much. Um, or when he drinks his potion and he gets one wound back and then dies, which seems to be a recurring theme of my games. But um, him, uh, there is second character in it. It's only got two characters, so straight away we know what scenarios it's going to struggle with. Um, there's an abhorrent ghoul king. He's there because I painted him nicely, and he's cheap, and he's not bad. Um, now, he could have been a necromancer, and I could have had a, a chance at a Van Hell's the double pile-in, but three units of skeletons not going to benefit from it that much, and a really important part of the list that I'll come, I'll come to when I'm talking about making, like, like the, the small edges that matter when you're playing a, an underpower list is the fact that it's not 2,000 points and you need that triumph. Um, then it's got a Mongol. Surprise, surprise. Uh, again, though, really expensive, just one thing. And then, actually, the, the main damage output of the army and kind of the... They're not the keystone, but they I, I'd say that's probably the, the Lord on Zombie Dragon, but they are what you're hefting around to do most of the damage is a unit of four Morgast Archai. And they're not to be confused with the 3D6 charge Morgast Harbingers. Mm. They're the guys with the big axes. They've got three attacks each. They're very expensive, 120 points piece. Three attacks each, threes and threes, um, two rend, and they're just straight up damage three. So the way that the list works is everything's kind of based around pushing their reliability. Now, I say they've got reliable damage, but obviously you've got to hit and wound to get that damage through. Um, so that's that's where the triumph comes in. Like um, Just having the chance of a reroll is really useful. The Lord, uh, the, the kind of the linchpin Lord, he can give any one unit within, it's quite a long range, it's like 15 inches, uh, reroll to hit. Yeah. That tended to go on... It go on. <laughs> <laughs> it depends, actually. Um, I was taking terrain a lot, and one of the things that the army does really well. Oh, it's got a summoning pool, which is three hundred twenty points as well. Which in four out of the five games was two Morgast harbingers and a unit of zombies because you could summon duplicates. You couldn't start with them. Right. Um, so it had a larger summoning pool than I've ever played with. I've always started with stuff on the table, which actually I think was a benefit. And you got the two wizards. You have to have two um, because if you're going to, you just need it because you need to have the flexibility to cast Mystic Shields where things are needed or um, the opportunity to kind of bolt something that's that's key. All the army is reliant on little things going off and going right and it's got a lot of tools to do a lot of things but they have to work together. Um, so the, the shields are really important, particularly if something's coming at you fast and it it deploys really, really weirdly in that you've got this little dance where the Vampire Lord's rocking the Cursed Book, which is minus one to hit for things within three inches, which is a tiny bubble, even though he's on a big base. So he's very good at protecting himself, but not the units next to him. And then the Mongol has got a six-inch minus one or minus two if your opponent's bravery is six or less bubble. So you end up doing this little dance where you've got you deploy kind of the same way that you're going to play throughout the battle and then you swing it around depending on where the damage of your opponents is. You've got a small minus one to hit and you've got a big minus one to hit. And if you can get them both on the same unit because they're different abilities, then they can be minus two to hit and suddenly your very small elite army isn't going to die because nothing can actually touch it. Um, 
was in a lot of my games, it was really important to have the zombie dragon on the right side and the mongol on the right side. Occasionally, I'd send off the mongol to be a lone ranger at the start of the battle, and the plan would be to for him to start out wide and then work his way back um, to protect me when things kind of convened. Um, with the vampire lord on abyssal terror going up in points, I no longer have the ability to like rocket boots him out, which is a shame because that was really good fun. <laughs> but yeah. um, you can't do that so much anymore. Um, I took some notes throughout the event. Um, go through the things that I think were kind of important. So the dragon's massively important. The arc I do the damage. Um, one of the key things about the army is it's really, really resilient against high quality wounds or mortal wounds. So the archive have got a five up naturally against mortal wounds, and then they've got their death save, which is if they're within range of the Lord, is another five up. And people do not realise how good a five up five up is. It's incredible. Um what I find random about the the archive is that they've got a mortal wound save, but it's not like it's it's actually doing normal normal wounds is better than actually doing mortal wounds to them. Yeah, generally, if you've got a bit of rend. Yeah, it's it's really really weird. You're saying they're actually worried about things that people think they won't be, and then the opposite is true for for things that people think are going to really duff them up. Um, they kind of float around doing that and they can be used as a shield um, against Sky or anything like that. They stand a bit of a chance. Uh, the Triumph is really important. I didn't forget it in any of my games um, or all the games went well, so I didn't need to use it. But that allows you to have a turn where you give, say you've got terrain, you can give your three pieces either plus one to hit or re-roll to hit, um, which is really, really nice. You can spread it out because you've got it coming from the Lord. You might have terrain or whatever and again with the mortal wound protection in the army i really didn't mind about standing my key characters on things where i was going to take d3 wounds a lot of the time they take one or none and it's yeah. ended up not mattering um i had one game where turn one four parts of my army were buffed with um some type of of um fit buff the army has to sit back a little bit kind of to it can't you can't have, apart from the Mongol, you can't have anything going out on its own because they all need to be next to each other. So you have a damage blob. Um, and then to, to kind of shore that up and stop things from coming at you too fast or surrounding you, uh, it summons two Morgast Harbingers, usually in a little conga line. So that's an 18-inch summon to the back base of one and then like five inches of Morgast. And they've got 3d6 charge. So essentially it's they just need a nine inch charge, which they're very capable of failing, but still it's a way to go out there and just pause things, whether you're playing a cunning rock or whatever. If you can tag it onto a corner of something, they may they generally died or we use as assassins for character pieces or something like that. But they hold things up for long enough that your opponent might have to turn their army towards you or something like that. Um scenery is really important. Uh, I learned particularly how important arcane scenery is with this army, because if you don't get off that summon on the Morgasts, it's really, really painful. You're at plus one to summon for having the Harbingers, with, uh, sorry, the Archive within range, um, plus one to all summoning spells. But having plus one and then plus one from arcane makes a really big difference because it hurts the army when those spells don't go off. If you're looking to summon them and then uh, just hold something up, when that doesn't go off, you, you really risk getting just rushed. Um, and stuff kind of surrounds you. Um, the Ghoul King is actually 
he's kind of useful as well. He was bubble wrapped in skeletons for most of it. Um, but then I realized that people are concentrating so much on the big stuff that he could just run and provide something on the fringe with a six up death save, which is better than none. If my zombie dragon was over the left, he'd be running over to the right, still behind stuff, but for helping stuff like that. And, um, and the other thing was my skeletons have got spears and, um, I realized throughout my games just how little frontage you need to give with 25 mil models that have got a two inch reach. Yeah, it's great enough. Just being able to deliver all that, those attacks in such a, a small area, particularly if you had, I don't know if it ever come up, if you had like two of your big things and you had like a little gap between them and they could just slot in that little gap and I just had some weight of attacks. Yeah, they, they do a lot more than people think. The other thing that I I really bear in mind with them is they're basically there to not die more than to do damage. They will grind things off better than people think because of them coming back, but I'm not afraid to run them like three three one and then have four guys out missing attacks if it means that my opponent can get three less guys in contact with me. So they'd end up pointing towards things in like really strange wedge shapes or whatever that meant that my opponent, even with a piling, could only get two guys. And then essentially with D6 models coming back a turn, they're just not going to die. And it it ends up with your opponent pulling models in weird directions as well. And um, if they can survive for a couple of turns or if you've got a double coming up to get the models back, they they stick around for a lot longer than people think. They'll buff up something or um, liberators. Uh, they're, they're surprisingly good against, for example. People just don't they don't think about the, um, the consistent attacks. They've, there's normally a hero within... Uh, 15 inches or 18 inches I think it is to get a plus one to hit as well uh, which is pretty tasty for them but I mean essentially it's just I think it's the most rewarding army I've ever played with in Age of Sigmar because it's not easy at all um, but it feels like there's probably a few matchups like I told people going in I can't play the new Tinch it just it won't won't be fun and I will get nothing from that there's no way for me to get anything against mass ranged power um, any scenario where I need bodies on the board, they can just shoot the skeletons, and I've pretty much lost already. Um, Cunning Ruck, super bad as well. Uh, I faced one of those for the team, but that's just delaying the inevitable. Um, but you can play really powerful stuff, and it kind of feels like you've got a chance as long as you don't make mistakes. Mm. And um, it's the type of army I like playing. So I got drawn against, <laughs> first round, just to ease me in gently, I got drawn against a Skyr army, which no one else wanted to play at all. Um, it was, I think it was six warp fire thrower teams, uh, two warp grinders, two units of three storm fiends, uh, which were the shooting ones, one unit with the fists, um, an engineer and a warlock. And I got drawn against that in three places of power. Oh, that's a horrible matchup normally. It is. I misdeployed as well a bit, so I lost my zombie dragon on turn one. <laughs> um, however, what I did do was I summoned a banshee, because I was against Skaven, and they got low bravery, so I thought the screen might do something. And he dropped turn one. Um, my ghoul king stayed alive, my zombie dragon died. I summoned a banshee, and the harbingers uh, turbo boosted their way into one of his characters to stop him from jumping on something. And um, just because he concentrated his fire so much on the zombie dragon, which, of course, is incredibly important, but um, it, it does tend to attract a lot of fire. The mortal wound save and the minus to hit, which is incredible against things with low bravery, um, from the Mongol that was remaining was just eating back wounds. And the harbingers, which are, sorry, the archive that kind of just died, but slower than 
than they were expected to. Um, they managed to hold up his army uh, long enough so that I just about managed to squeak it. Um, I think it was 17-16 in the end. Oh, okay. That was a really good one. That was hard for, and I needed things to go my way. I needed to get the turn. Um, I failed the charge of the Banshee on the first turn, which made it super tight, so she couldn't get onto the objective. Mm. Um, and, and things were really, really squeaky. And then he had one turn where I had the two, uh, the two Morgoths that I'd summoned were shooting over to get his one remaining character that was standing on a piece of scenery. And then um, the character just had a ball around of magic shooting and uh, combat and just killed him. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Straight up took him off. Um, so that was really, really, really close. Uh, I faced horrible, horrible destruction. Um, I tried to die slowly. Didn't happen. I died fast. It was a uh, savage orcs and um, a lot of things died by exactly one wound that meant to hold things up. But uh, Paul played it well, and there's there's nothing I can really do against that. Then I faced a Saurus army, which the guys put me into matchup with and said, "You you should be okay on this." Um, it had the teleporting uh, Ripidactyls, Shadow Strike, oh, right. Starhead, okay, yeah. um, which are pretty good, actually. However, he, as as most people tend to do, underestimated what happens when you've got a 5-up death save and minus 1 to hit on the Zombie Dragon, yeah. particularly happens with Stormcast players. I mean, you have to deal with him, so it's kind of a catch-22. You've got to kill him, it's just you'll kill him slower than you think, or, or maybe not at all. And in this case, it was not at all. And then my Archite essentially killed an entire army. Um, they were absolutely nuts. Um, they went in with Mystic Shield and rerolled hits on, and they swept from left to right through everything but a Bastilodon, I think. So they got uh, two units of Tensorus Guard that had ridiculous saves, um, but of course they've got Rend 2. So um, that, that took them from a... I think they went from a 2-up to a 5-up somehow because of the way that the save works. Um, they killed Stegadon like it was nothing, went through some really hard characters, um, an, an Eternity Warden and a, a Sunblood, and they just wiped out the entire thing. That was a really good game, actually, but I kind of I got the luck I needed in that one. Then I played, which I've alluded to earlier in the podcast, um, I faced... 40, 40, 40, 30, uh, 160 plague monks, two congregations of filth, these are formations, uh, and a virulent procession, and four crowns of conquest and a vermin lord, vermin lord corruptor, uh, which, like, you and I had seen, what, 500 points of plague monks did? Yeah, yeah, and been yeah. pretty impressed. This army was essentially just made for the scenario that I was playing it in, which was what's the diamond one? Borderwall. With Borderwall. Yeah, uh, Borderwall. Yeah, that. So there wasn't any Battleshock in this game. There just wasn't a thing. And essentially their army, I think it, it had been designed that when this scenario was rolled, they put this up and then like something filthy like Tinch. And people took this because they didn't want to face Tinch. But which this army team just, was it? Scandinavia. Right, okay. Um, and this army was just designed to to not lose it. The guy playing it was really, really good as well. And he, he told me halfway through, I said, like, you know how to do scenarios, don't you? He said, uh, yes, well, I'm number two at 40K uh, for the last five years in my country. And I've been to the ETC for the last 10. <laughs> so um, he was really up on his scenario play. He took first turn 
and just mobbed his entire army um, on the objectives. They're movement six, of course, so they are, they're just so, so good at it. And um, he also popped every single once-a-game ability he had. So if I got the double turn, I just suffered um, for two turns. However, um, the, the only way I could win this was kind of to pin him in the middle and to the right, and then slowly sweep from left to right with my damage hoover um, throughout his entire army, kind of banking on getting his objective for the greater points if I could hold things up enough. So uh, the train was a little bit helpful in it. Um, it made it easier for me to kind of um, limit attacks coming back for the first two turns while I was getting things in position. My Mongol failed the t- first turn charge, which was really squeaky bum because the minus to hit is really helpful. But essentially what happens was I had to kill his entire army whilst it couldn't hit me, but there was a lot of it. So it worked out that I got, I think I got the first double turn and I took it because my Mongol needed to get in. He then got one and then I got one. And at that point there was going to be enough damage for me on the table. Cause at this point I'd only lost one Morgast, I believe. Um, to come into the center and take his expensive objective. And um, then there was essentially no way for him to get back at me because the Mongol and the the Vampire Lord were combining to mean that things literally, they just, they, they weren't hitting. Um, but the, uh, the list I was massively impressed with, I mean, playing against four Crown of Conquests just felt, felt a bit wrong, um, but it's not exactly something that's breaking the tournament scene currently. Um, I think anything that ignores a massive bit of the game that is a potential weakness for the army is is not not always the most fun because it's like it just takes a bit of the game away, doesn't it? So, um, yeah. But then it probably wouldn't be very competitive if you had to take battle shocks. So, uh, um, it sounds like quite an interesting army to play against. I mean, I guess like you've got that small elite, and they've got the big, you know, like large army, lots of men doing like low quality attacks in big numbers where you've got the opposite so it's quite yeah. quite interesting if it wasn't um, for the debuff and stopping them from hitting I, I would have just died instantly um, and it would have been a non-game but they were, they stacked so up their of minuses course, to hit was the big deal was it? yeah well they're bravery 5 so they're minus 2 from the Mongol yeah. and then if they're touching the zombie dragon they're at minus 1 so everything was surviving better than it should even if they were only in range of 1 debuff piece it still makes a really really big difference yeah and whether they get to re-roll to hit then you know 6 is re-rolling to not as good as 4 is re-rolling right? <laughs> not at all mate I think we said at the uh, at the end of the game that I'd have loved to play against that. I think that'd have been a really interesting match. <laughs> Would you have had time to roll all of your dice? They'd do it for me with the sixes on mortal wounds. <laughs> yeah, you'd like, probably you've got just to... watch them kill themselves, just... wouldn't they? Yeah, just watch them bounce off. Would they like? Um, they would attack you, kill themselves, then pile and attack you, and kill themselves, and kill themselves again, and then pile and attack and kill themselves. Yeah, yeah, I did that. It's fine, I'll go to the toilet. You take your men off. <laughs> yeah. We just work out how many die of each unit. Yeah, quite um, interesting. I mean, like, overall th- thoughts on my list were that it wasn't as bad at three places of power as I thought it was, but if things could block the the objectives, I couldn't get into them. Um, it really struggles with taking hold against big armies just because I can't do enough wounds. Um or Gift of the Heavens if it turns into Taken Hold. So if things land centrally and I'm facing a Cunning Ruck or 
or anything with a lot of bodies, that's really, really difficult. Um, just lots of bodies in general was kind of a struggle and having to any scenario where I had to spread myself thinly, it really, really mattered where I summoned zombies or what the harbingers did or anything like that. Um, but, but just very, very rewarding to play. I played against the only other army I haven't mentioned is I played against a kind of, it was mostly tomb Kings death with a lot of skeletons. Um, they caught me out with their, their, they can run and shoot and still hit. Um, which is devastating. So he mobbed it across the table in the um, those skeletons, were they? Yeah, uh, the Tin Kings ones, uh, or is it? They, yeah, yeah, yeah it's run and hit. Um, run and hit. That was an escalation. Yeah, um, that was an escalation. Uh, but I got that one, and basically, uh, it was only really the destruction with the Stone Hordes and the Cunning Ruck that gave me a massive issue over the weekend. Obviously, I've been paired. Um, into things that are somewhat preferable but in the case of Skya um, or the, <laughs> the 160 rats I've been put against things that other people didn't want to play against. is a uh, weird one isn't it because it's like you, you've you got loads of mortal wound protection but at the same time in three places you've only got two heroes and if one you probably better alpha strike your dragon on the first turn then it, it's going to be a really tough matchup, so it's 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 a weird one, isn't it? That one, I think that's a really yeah. strange one to call. Yeah, I think the the score kind of reflected just how odd it is because it ended up super close. Um, but uh, yeah, that's it. So I came out of the weekend with one major loss and four major victories. Awesome, and um, you summoning wise, you you were just doing the harbingers and the zombies, unless you were in free places. And then the banshee come out. Basically, is that the yeah, pretty much. That? Although I'd use a Khan wraith if it was against things that didn't have low bravery, because the banshee is a uh, she's just mega poop. Um, I was waiting on my summoning. I rushed it in one of my games, and as long as I wasn't worried about losing characters, it was in game two that I rushed it, and I made a conscious effort to wait longer until I used it so it's really really hard especially when you're summoning things that have got damage output like the harbingers um, to to force yourself to wait if it's the right decision but that made a really big difference and the zombies as well uh, against the the Skaven list they came down turn 3 and they were just a blocker they were just being used like chaff. It didn't matter for the scenario what they did, but I needed to not have his army kind of engulf me and his uh, be able to get back to his objective. So I waited longer on that. I bought some hex race with me, but I just I can't I can't think of a particularly with the Mongol. I can't think of a scenario where I'd want to use them. Like the idea would be maybe to drop them, Mystic Shield them, and then run them off and just hold up something that's got some really high quality higher end attacks for a bit but um if i want to do that then i can kind of do it with the mongol i'm sure there is a situation where they'd come in useful i always bring them with me but i just it hasn't seemed to be a good idea yet mm. okay that's interesting so um i think that's probably about everything about your your army i guess and then what we'll probably do is take a small break, come back, talk about the Six Nations as an event, and um, get some thoughts from Terry and Les about about the event and their matchups as well. So uh, we're back in a minute. 
And we are back from the break. And um, we've before we get into too much about the Six Nations, we should probably talk about what it is and how it all works. Because some people listening might be thinking, I don't really understand what, what you mean by a team event. And I don't really understand what you mean by the Six Nations. Um, and so we're assuming people know. Uh, and actually, we probably should explain it. So um, just do you want to give us a quick overview of the event and the scoring system, Terry? Yeah, kind of. So, the six teams involved were Northern Ireland, Republic of Ireland, Wales, England, Scotland, and then the guest team was Team Scandinavia, which turned into Team Sweden, I believe. Yeah, yeah pretty uh, much. Yeah. Sweden plus curry. Yeah, well, yeah, seven Swedes and curry. Um, but yeah, um, the... That was like one of my meals. <laughs> I was about to say, that sounds like a vegetarian dish. <laughs> Sweet the scoring curry. was um, missions based off out the handbook um, except the scoring was 20 points for a major 15 for a minor, 10 for a draw and then 5 if you got the minor loss so a sort of 20-0 fixed brackets so there was no 18-2s or anything, you, you got increments of 5 and that was your lot And how there was many... no other point that points weren't even taken even so, like, no, like, there was no, points. no battle points. points were taken. So if at the end of the event, the two teams that drew against each other and then ended up drawing the whole tournament, there was no decider for who won, which was kind of weird. Well, yeah. I suppose it's very unlikely, and you you just because there's no cap scoring, which we'll talk about in a sec. But I suppose as well, like if those two teams probably played each other, because everyone played everyone, right? Yeah. It would have yes. come down to that round. Like, it but then, been, if you draw, <laughs> be very unlikely. I think maybe they. It almost just happened though. It wasn't that. It, it wasn't that draw. far off. <laughs> right. Okay. Uh, but um, I, I think it's a bit weird when we were playing. People were saying like, you know, oh, I'm just going to clear up the points, and I'm like, well, you don't need to. There's no point in trying to clear up any points because the you you know I've majored you. You don't need the points. People can't yeah, switch which, it off. They can't switch sort it of off. I, I found that a bit weird in that, yeah, again, because people can't switch it off, but it was a bit weird that if you, if you know you've lost a major on, say, turn three, because you can't score the points back, then there is, there's absolutely no point in carrying on. Yeah. Which I found was a little bit strange, but... Yeah, it's not just weird. like being able to call it and be like, okay, do I have a chat with your opponent? Yeah, like, but I, I, I found I think it, it kind of it increased just, how casual it felt throughout the weekend. Yeah. It definitely increased the ca- the casualness, but from from sort of previous ETCs and and sort of hardcore team events, it's sort of you take pride in being able to snatch a tournament point back, yeah, for yeah, your team. Yeah. And there just wasn't any of that there, which again I'll sort of come to because I've got some thoughts on sort of potentially how to improve it. But yeah, I think it was good. It was good as the first run out the scoring system. That's quite cool. So basically, just so people don't know, the teams are of eight players. Is that right? Correct. And um, you can mix as many different Grand Alliances as you wanted, but you couldn't duplicate War Scrolls across two different armies. Yeah, so if if one person took... And that's not just named characters, that is anything. If one person, like Byron said, took zombies, then no other Death player can take the zombie War Scroll. Yeah. Okay, interesting. Um... And with the matchups, just to explain, we'll talk about the actual matchup process in a sec. But because obviously there's six missions, isn't there? And there's eight games going on. 
how was that picked? How was that decided? Was it just randomly rolled? Or... So, so, yeah, so you basically, you before you start a round of pairings, which I'll get into in a little bit, you, you roll a dice for the scenario, and okay. you, pair, you pair two games to that scenario. Okay, right. So it could have been, you could have ended up playing lots of take and hold if you were particularly unlucky. So it, as a player, yeah. So the, the rule that was put in to prevent sort of massive duplication is that you can't play the same scenario twice, like more than twice across the... You paired into one, you ended up with two lots of players playing that scenario. Yeah. If you then rolled the same scenario, you re-rolled it. Right, I see, yeah. So you couldn't have more than two of each scenario you couldn't across have the eight, eight games. Yeah. Eight you take have... a hold. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Eight yeah, draws. Just, just everyone shuddering Ugh. like that. Um, okay, that's quite cool. And and so Terry, with the scoring like from the round, it, it's added up for the whole team. Yeah, so you... it's kind of just you playing eight singles, and then you add it all up at the end. Yeah, okay. And which um, is kind of odd because normally there's this thing they call capping, don't they? Where it, it stops you getting zero or getting like loads of points against a weak team. So other team events we've done, and if you've listened to the show for a long time. And you've listened to stuff like the Firestorm Fours review. There's this what they call cap scoring, so you you're capped at like 120, um, and then you're you know you can't get below I don't know is it 60. So it basically yeah. keeps all the the teams quite tightly together. So it, it also stops. makes it more communal. I yeah. think that way doesn't it? Because it doesn't matter if if you got your three points, but that helps your team get to your cap of 60, 80, 120, whatever it is. That feels like you still did your job. Yeah. Whereas this, like, it's not necessarily saying it's it's bad. It's just different. But this this wasn't like that. I think the difference is that if you're if you are in a cap situation, and you know you're going to get capped, there's all, and you're almost no point playing because you're going to get those sixty those pity points as they as they've been affectionately called before. Um, and obviously, likewise, if you're smashing somebody, do it across the team, and your game's still going. You can just go. Well, there's no point in me finishing because we've already capped, and doesn't matter. No, because un- uncapped was always a tiebreaker. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, I mean, I I spoke to Ben about this quite a lot over the weekend, and his his sort of reasoning for not capping it was was fair in that the cap's there to prevent again affectionately known bunny runs, yeah. where you sort of play two of the weaker teams early on and then become sort of out of reach. But with it being a round robin, everyone plays everyone. Yeah, so it didn't matter because um, everyone's going to get to play those in brackets. It didn't. Teams. The, the problem that I sort of then have with it is that it almost becomes, and this is going to sound awful, but it almost sounds like who can hit the punching bag the hardest. Yeah. So okay, you yeah. sort of, rather than just capping the weaker teams, you've actually got to all out ruin them. Yeah. Yeah. So. It has, in my head, it's got a bit of an opposite effect. But I can, yeah. I can see, I can see the need of it. So his his other explanation for it was that a lot of the players there, it was their first big team event, and he didn't want to have to explain the cap at the start. So his his reasoning there is like, okay, let's go in, and Ben will probably do a debrief as well in a lot more detail. But let's go in, let's play it without a cap. And then when we then bring a cap in next time, if we do, people understand the reason for it. Mm. Yeah, I suppose so. There's some some merit in that, I guess. Yeah. Um. 
So, um, let's just talk about the pairing system then. So, Tom, can you just explain how the pairing or the matchup process, as it's known, works? Yes. So, essentially, your job as a team is to decide then who of the eight players from your team plays the eight players from the opposing team. And this sort of bit becomes almost a game in itself. So it's, there's a lot of bluffing, a lot of double bluffing, but essentially how it works, uh, how it worked for this weekend is that you would roll a scenario. Yeah. So you would say roll Gift from the Heavens, for example. Um, your team will put forward a player and their team will put forward a player. So ideally, that would be somebody strong in this scenario. Yeah, and those uh, two aren't playing each other, are they? They're the two... No, they're not. And they're face so they're, down, and then they get flipped up at the same time. Yes, so that's revealed at the same time. So then each team has a player to pair into. Um, the the next stage of that is that the each team then plays two of their armies into the army that the opposing team has played. So then you end up with a situation where there is one army of yours, two opponent armies, and vice versa for the other team. Yeah, so at, you basically the, you, you nominate an army, they nominate an army, they're flipped up, and then you put two of your armies that you, you they get to pick out of those two who plays the one they nominated and vice versa. Correct, and then the, the wasted one goes back to the hand as such. Yeah. It's a kind of TCG phrase. And then you roll another scenario. Except in the last pairing where those two end up playing, right? Correct. Yeah. Yeah. So the the sort of the weird bit at the end is you're pairing two scenarios at the same time. Yeah. Uh to, to sort of get the final round of matchups. But essentially that's that's how it works. So essentially you you play an army that you believe is good in a scenario. The opponent team then gets a chance to play two armies which they think a might be able to stop you getting 20 points or B might be able to beat you in that scenario. You then choose as a team which one you want to play, but also then thinking about not just what you want to play, whether you want to take a really strong army out of the pool so that it no longer is a worry in the, the following games. See, there's, there's such a thing sort of like as a bully, we call it a bully army. Um, we used, we used Sedge. Uh, with his Zinch list, because I think that's the flavour of the month. Everyone knows how good it is. You can place that as one of the two armies with an almost guarantee that they won't pick it. So you're trying to then make them choose the army that you want them to choose every time. Yeah, so you use that that deterrent army with another army that you think is good in that mission anyway, um, and perhaps... You know, they maybe it's a bit of an off the wall list. They don't really realise is good in that that matchup, yeah. and they're going to pick that over the bully army, and that's what you want. Exactly, um, yeah. Then you can then use the bully army again to get you another good matchup. Yeah, and but sometimes use- people might say, "Let's take the bully army out now," uh, um, and just accept it's a bad matchup to stop. Definitely, you yeah. Using that's why every round to bully. That's where the game comes in, and that's how I ended up playing against the Caradrons from Scotland. Yeah, because you decided, let's not let that army bully us every round in the match. Yeah, let's not be fearful of it being there every time we have to choose. You generally end up with a few a few lambs, so the the people going to the slaughter whose whose aim is loses as little as possible, or you try and build 
uh, something that's good at getting close to a draw or or anything like that, or just something that's kind of all comers, so you may have a chance in a lot of things, and yeah. they're there for that purpose. Or in our case, we just had a couple of us that were straight up weaker, or mine had come in at the last moment, so I just said, look, I'm happy for whatever, take out something that most other people don't want to play, whether that's 160 Plague Months, or it's Clan Skya, or whatever. Um, so you end up with all these, like, there's probably four or five different aspects to the entire process. It's quite fun to watch, actually. You basically... I love it. It's it's my favourite part of the team event. I get really I get really involved in it, and I think Les saw the like literally the yeah. first pairings round. Like I was on it. Yeah, I remember doing it from the ETC where you had a, a matrix of your list and their list because they were published before the event and traffic like good bad okay yeah and so and then you have a matrix where you can cross-reference people's their pads and there's four people gathered around on one side and four on the other and there's a lot of lot of kind of everyone wants to see the card as it gets flipped over it's quite exciting it's quite a cool thing yeah so so sort of going on from that then so that was something that Tony asked me to get together for the for the team because they I used to have a matrix on the iPad from previous team events but we 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 spoke about it on the way up as to how we were going to approach the matchup process and I I was saying to him that I think there's so many variables with scenario etc trying to do something like that is but you know you're pairing like 500 potential outcomes and you're only going to play five of them over the weekend i think that was that's the big difference because normally in the past we've always just played like pitch battle 20 nil and there hasn't yeah. been scenarios but with the age of sigma missions obviously being scenario based and what i was going to ask you as a question was normally in a team event it I, as in i haven't played one uh, really under aos with scenario play that you'd say, okay, this is the army we lead with, this is the army we keep in the hand, but the the kind of the X factor you've got here is the scenario that gets rolled. Yeah. So did so that we, impact we had, what you led with? Yes, 100%. So we, we basically, the way that I told Tony or sort of we spoke about approaching it is unlike other team events, you've got, you've got knowledge going in. The knowledge that you've got is the scenario. Yeah. So don't pair to try and out-pair the opponent. Just pair into the scenario. You know, as long as we've got a, a guaranteed portfolio for each scenario, we're, we're in a good position because you know that before you start pairing. Yeah, there's, that's quite no interesting. There's no point trying to work out what they're going to put down. You can do as well, but pair into the knowledge that you know what scenario you're playing, not the outcome. Um, yeah, that's quite a good idea. So yeah, so with with sort of the the old team events, the you, you'd have like I played Chaos Dwarves one year for eight fed, and I was the put down army. Yeah. So you know, give me whatever you know. Expect me to get ten out of twenty points. If I get more, it's a bonus. And and I just got thrown all the rubbish that no one else really wanted to play. But here we had sort of so just to sort of throw them out there. So Sedge was three places of power. Um, Les was blood and glory because he just dominates in that scenario um, with the Sylvaneth. Um, we didn't play much uh, Gift from the Heavens, but I think we put Kieran up against that a lot. 
Yeah. Because he's mobile. Had and Tony had that as well, because you can summon. Yeah. And so we had we had one going forward for each. We made one mistake, actually, the first few games, in thinking that Tony was our put-down for three places with Nagash. Yeah. But it actually worked out that it... We, we worked out that it actually isn't a good scenario for him, so we changed that up uh, quite early on in the event. So, but yeah, I think... Scotland came in with the Matrix for the pairing system, so they yeah. were massively, massively prepared for it. But we sort of just went in with the knowledge that we we know which scenarios we're good at and which ones we don't want to play. And let's just pair into that and, and let the rest fall in. Yeah. Um, okay, cool. So um, you mentioned, like, let, Les, you said that, you know... Um, Blood and Glory is like his his mission. Um, so I've I've played Les a few times, and it always seems to be at blood the Blood and Glory scenario. I think most times we played at a tournament, it's been Blood and Glory for some reason. I know. Um, so is that? playing casual games, and he's chosen the scenario. Uh, no. <laughs> um, I think when we did a couple warm up games when we were getting ready for Blood and Glory last year, and we ended up playing Blood and Glory twice. I think, and that was. Um, but I, I always thought it was it's one of the scenarios, not just because of the list you take, but I think it's one of the missions you've got your head around playing a lot. Yeah, I, I think it, it kind of clicked in early on. Well, I say early on, it didn't click with the, the Stormcast, but I think playing the Sylvaneth and, and sort of like how manoeuvrable they are, um, it kind of was the first time that I can honestly say that I stopped playing turn by turn and started playing like two to three turns ahead. Yeah. Um, and and that is how I that's how I played it, Blood and Glory essentially. And you know, it's I was really fortunate to be placed. I mean, I say fortunate. I'll, the example I'm going to give of what I did um, is probably against the worst matchup, which is um, in the Republic of Ireland um, or Northern Ireland, wasn't it? It's was Northern Ireland. Sorry, I, I ended up playing. Don't do it. that. I know, yeah, I'm going to get it. It's fine, I don't mind. Just don't do what Dan did and call one the real one and one the fake one. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It is Norn Ireland, wasn't it? So, yeah, I I got 18 Skyfires in the first game um, in the matchups, and um, I think they they did, from what I remember, Tom, they did a really good sort of matchup process, didn't they, Northern Ireland at the start, and they, it sort of, I think, like, Kieran went up against the change host, I went up against 18 Skyfires, and really, like, the Stormcast, yeah, we, we didn't have a great time in the first matchup process, and that was just purely because having two armies of the same, like literally two Zinch armies, shows the power of the book that they can put two Allegiance armies out with no duplication. And it was both really tight lists. So we, um, we paired into the wrong ones by accident, but yeah. oh well. Yeah. One of them things. Um, so yeah, so I went up against 18 Skyfires, and, um, and I knew going into the game um like obviously the list i take i took was the dreicher list that we've talked about on multiple shows before with the three units of bow hunters and the six uh and the, the block of six sides with dreicher instead of dirthu um and i knew that i was never going to outshoot the army um and i knew i needed to get lucky um and i kind of played the game with in the mindset that i'm gonna with sylvan f i do a single drop army it comes down and I take the first turn because I need the buffs up to make sure that the um, that A, I can get the, the forest down on the table before um, I get shot off with, like, you know, the key pieces, like, you know, the Tree Lord Ancient, um, the Branch Witch, um, and knowing full well that there's the opportunity for the opponent to double turn me. 
but I actually wanted the opponent to double turn me um, in Blood and Glory. So I would position stuff, go first, and try and position stuff the way I wanted, uh, you know, almost be a bit cagey um, with the way I've deployed my models so that I'm sort of like holding my two models and I'd cons- uh, my two objectives, and I'd concentrate fire on the, the units holding their objectives. Um, with the idea being that when we'd roll for the priority for turn two, I would let them have the priority, which seems weird. Um, the reason being is that I would put, I'd like double down on getting priority on turn three, um, so I could try and also win the scenario. So I'd let them go first. They usually at this point, usually when people double turn you, they get a, like they get a little bit excitable. And they're, they're like, oh, I'm going to smash them. And they get really, they push the army forwards. And that normally allows me then, in when I get my option in turn two to go, to bring on a unit of dryads or teleport a unit of tree remnants to the board edge, which is quite close to the objectives. Usually they've got like a small unit there. I would then roll for priority. And if I got turn three, I'd have 10 dryads on one objective on their side of the table. I would have ticked over both objectives on my side of the table, and I'd have one unit of tree remnants going up against perhaps a, a damaged unit of theirs. I'd then focus fire all three units of bow hunters on the unit that the tree remnants were there, and then I'd have dryads would have obviously moved on from the woods in my turn two. They then get to move, so they've got a seven-inch move plus D6 run to get onto the objective. The tree revenants would do exactly the same. They'd move on to the objective, and then I'd focus on trying to shoot off as much as I can on the tree revenant objective so that they would outscore them. And then I'd capture all four objectives going into turn three and also win. And yeah, it's a really cool. It's was that an audible mic drop then? Yeah. I know, yeah. No. <laughs> yeah. But, um, but yeah, no, I, I did that in, I think I played, uh, I, I tried to do it, uh, I played it, it four times, um, and it worked three times. And the only time it didn't work was Ben Curry because I played him in the last game and he knew what I was going to do because he'd watched me do it twice. Yeah, you were talking <laughs> about it all weekend. Yeah. Just um, walking up to your opponent saying, you, me, and blood and glory, baby. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, blood and glory against the world, whatever. <laughs> yeah. Douchebags. <laughs> <laughs> But, I mean, does that make sense for us? Like, obviously, I was trying to explain it. Did it make... Yeah, it totally fun? makes sense. I mean, because, obviously, you ought to win on turn three. Um, you want to go first with Sylvaneth anyway to get your woods down, get your board position, um, because if they go first, then they can just spread out and stop you placing your woods, and, and you need them near the objectives for yeah. your teleport shenanigans. Um, you can sit quite far back because you've got long range on the hunters, so you're not really exposed to a double turn too much against most armies. Um and then, obviously, like gives you a chance to double back and then get the auto win, which is yeah. is kind of the, the, the thing. But and Sylvan F, like I always find that people tend not to target the the units that can score the objectives. They they focus on either like the tree treemen or they focus on the hunters. And it's what I was doing is dependent on where the spaces were for the, the forest to put down on the objectives i would keep the dryads and one unit tree remnants off the table yeah yeah yeah. and then move them on from the woods as well so like they can't be shot like if i thought it was going to be uh, a difficult one 
Um, but yeah, no, it was just it was it was really really cool. I, I felt that you know it was it started working for me early on. There was a couple of points where like I think you come over to me at one point, Tom, and you were like, "Hey, is it going there?" And I was just like a bit shaky. And then you looked at me and I winked as the guy turned away because he hadn't seen what I was going to do. Yeah, and, you know. And then how many was, times did you play Blood and Glory at the weekend? Four times. It's four, four, four out of five. Oh, yeah, because good. again, because you know what armies are good in the scenario, and you're placing an army like. As long as you don't have three awful matchups in that scenario with your opponent's eight lists, you can confidently play a pair into the scenarios. Yeah, yeah. And you know, it's the only time I didn't play Blood and Glory is I played three places of peril, which is also really good for yeah, me. Yeah, I was going to say that's also a strong scenario for you, isn't it? Um, yeah, I played against this uh, Liam. He's a big fan of the show from the Scottish team, and he had like um, a Star Drake A for Strike list. And again, like I know. The matchups were really handy because I went into that game going right. What hurts me? It's the long strike cross. Uh, the long strike Raptors yeah. shoot our first turn, and then you know you've played with that play. as well, haven't you, Les? I have, yeah. yeah so, so you know roughly what it does, and obviously we've I know what about it as well. So yeah, like we played, and I was just like, okay, so unit adjudicators shoot it one unit of bows, didn't kill the unit adjudicators, move to the next unit adjudicators, and he's like, why aren't you killing my units? I was like, because I know what the list does. Yeah, just whittle them down to one or two models, then kill them. Yeah, I had three yeah. heroes and three three objectives on the first turn, and like knowing what the Star Drake can do, the Star Drake's amazing, but it can't kill heroes. Like resilient heroes, no, it's quite yeah. it's quite bad at single tough yeah. creatures, isn't it? Yeah, like you know, charging it, he charged the Star Drake into Droitcho, and she had a two up save because of Mystic Shield and rerolling ones because of where she was placed with the Colonel Hunter's babysitting her. Yeah, and and I was just like, yeah, that's fine. And he was like, you're not worried. I'm like, no, because it'll take you three turns to kill her probably. And by that time, I've scored three times. There's always that chance, but yeah, mostly you're like, yeah, no problem. Yeah, you know, you've um, probably met her about the list as well. If you're playing a, a more traditional team event, it's nice to have a list where you know the results soon in the round so you can act appropriately, isn't it? And I think quite often you were finishing probably halfway through the round, Liz. Yeah, about an hour. Average game is about an hour, I think. If you if you do it, finish it on turn three, it's, you know, it's just quicker well, game, isn't it? Yeah, I didn't do a lot turn one most of the time. It was like, because yeah. the magic phase isn't that prominent because I'm it's, not fighting. You know? It's and almost stuff. quite automatic, isn't it? Because you go, right, I know I set up. Um, it's wood, you know, summon a wood, do the thing, mystic shield, shoot, yeah. shoot, shoot the two units. You know what you're shooting. You don't have to think about it too much. Over to them. They have two goes. Then you double turn and win the game. Yeah. Yeah. Seems you know, legit. I'm, I didn't. I didn't. I think it was only once I didn't get the party going into turn three, and that was against um, one of the Welsh guys. Um, and like, I he he didn't see what was coming. I was like, you would have lost the game on that turn. Um, and then he sort of like took us off the ball and didn't kill a unit of tree revenants. And I went my turn, just took the objectives. Yeah, did it anyway. Yeah, yeah. sounds 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 good. I think you didn't. You talk him into shooting the wrong thing. Well, he was good as he was. Well, uh, 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 basically, there was a unit. This is the less I know. There yeah. is. It's it's fine. Just own it. It's no. It's, it's perfectly in in between a load of train, and he had three heraldors. Um, and I he had three units adjudicators shoot five tree revenants. Um, and he killed two of them. He then had two units adjudicators that he was going to shoot. That I assumed he would have shot the tree revenants off, knowing that I was going to do the objectives grab. Um, but he heraldored the the, the side hunters between this terrain piece, and he had a really good roll with all three of them. And I was like, "Whoa! If you shoot them now, you're going to kill them this turn." 
Such a dick. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's legit team tactic, just, that is. So then he shot off the, the, the Colonel Fenters and I went, brilliant. You you three bow hunters into three judicators, move the tree remnants on, win the objective. You and Corey so deserve each other in that last <laughs> game. <laughs> is it that that's like Les and Curry against the world, is that what it is? Yeah, just they literally just sat there for probably about an hour and a half just trying to talk each other into shooting stuff. Yeah. He's, he was doing his usual shit where he was like trolling me at the table, and I'm like, I'm having none of your shit, Curry. When we he started. wasn't saying anything, Les. He was managing to troll you without even opening his mouth. He was just <laughs> he's, looking he's, at you, and happened. you were getting wound up. Les Nested gets inside bullshit. your head. He just gets yeah. bullshy. It's like when he plays me, he just gets bullshy. Me? Yeah. You just go mm. into the game, and you're just like really like enthusiastically <laughs> aggressive. You two shouldn't be allowed <laughs> to play Warhammer together. We can play. Uh, it's fine. Yeah. That was like, every tournament you've, I've seen you play it. You just fucking argue. You just sober up, and then it's, it's, it's done. It's we banter. bicker. We bicker. Yeah, what we worked out is that Les needs Liam as a minder, and Russ needs me as a minder, and then things go fine. Yeah, basically. <laughs> Have to be chaperoned. Me and Russ, are, like me and Russ, just go to the bar, leave my bar, and play the game. Yeah, that's <laughs> the agreement. I think that worked well. We should do that. Yeah. <laughs> I did, uh, uh, that was quite funny. I, we, me and Byron, got quite drunk on that Saturday, didn't we? Yeah, you were yeah. doing the. Op- it was so much fun. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I wanted the. They they refused to serve me the octagon, um, which was eight shots of kraken. <laughs> but for, thankfully, I could just get like four doubles and then just put it in one glass, so it's fine. <laughs> was that why the, I saw a photo on? I think it must have been the Sunday then where you. Russ, you look like you were reevaluating your life. No, that's just my that's just my concentration, like slightly okay. bored face. I think that was me just listening to the guy talk about plague monks and me just switching off, <laughs> <laughs> or watching him someone roll hundreds of dice at me. Um, which you know, you, you've probably seen that look on your opponent's face, that glazed over. No, I get no, I get them blind. involved. Like you do. It, it's oh, even... Can you roll the dice for me? No, just make them pick the hits out themselves. It's more oh, fun. Don't. It's like it's like when I played Sedge and he was like, oh, can you help me group the, the dice into tens while I'm rolling dice at you and you're taking your models <laughs> off so I can do it more efficiently? And I just refused to do it. And he was like, do you want to just take that unit off because they're going to die? I was like, no, you have to roll it all out, mate. You have to roll yeah. every single dice. I'm not. I'm, you, you've decided to go through this pain. I want you to have a bad back by the end of the weekend. I genuinely um, almost did. Like... That sort of you know, that posture that you have when you're rolling dice because you always posture. stand up. You can't that, that tense kind of hunch. It. Yeah, is that is that the the dice hunch? It is just yeah. like arching your lower back a little bit, and perhaps by the time you finish some... rolling a hundred wounds, it's like you can't get back up. Perhaps we need to do some kind of like black and white information video about the dangers of, of playing armies with lots of dice rolling <laughs> and have like, you know, like the uh, the dice hunch appeal and do like in candid interviews with people who's like, I used to be I used to be a normal person and then I took up a cunning ruck army to two events and now I, I can't stand up straight. <laughs> uh, if I, if I ever took it, yeah, if I ever took a cunning ruck I'd genuinely just get a bin and just, just throw all the dice in the bin and just roll them out of it. Yeah, like a bit more a massive dice tower, and just pour them in the top, and just watch your opponent <laughs> just like despair, and they get stuck halfway down because there's so many dice, it just backs up the whole tower. When I played Paul, he had it 
all prepared, like the first time he had a round of shooting, he just revealed a horn full of dice that he'd had. It's oh, like his one yeah. I made earlier. He he wasn't too uh, he wasn't too happy, and I don't know whether you might need to edit this out actually. But when I played him at a gum, I, I affectionately referred to it as the rug player's wank sock. <laughs> <laughs> We're not editing that. That's fine. <laughs> and it, you see, cause it's just some sort of dusty cup that. It just it just contains like loads of dice that he just spaffs onto the table every now and then. <laughs> <laughs> That's a horrible image. Thanks for sharing Tom, that. <laughs> Tom Wall's ETM. There. I'm uh, gonna I'm gonna make them. Like I'm gonna make a branded what, one. What like like branded dice wank socks? Yeah. <laughs> oh, God. For like yeah. eat with like quotes on the side like eat my ruck. Yeah. Get rucked. Get rucked. <laughs> Oh, I love it. Uh, <laughs> so, um, Terry, you took uh, Chaos, and I you took, took like your stand the standard list you've been playing with a lot. Is that right? Mm, yeah, it's the sort of the Bloodbound with so... the two warfighting cannons. And so, so what's quite interesting um, from hearing like what Tom's saying, and you know, Sylvan Effer are kind of a little bit of a quirky army in that they're good in some scenarios, bad in others. And is it? Do you think it was actually a problem taking an army that was all round balance for all the different missions because there was that control over what to play? You would have been better off being more specialist down one path. Yeah, I should have taken monocorn and just gone full run across the table in your full face. Ra, yeah. Full should have taken the South Coast list, and I'd had a much better weekend. Because um, unfortunately, it just I had the reverse of what Tom had. So he, yeah. where he's saying he played interesting lists that are like different and quirky and new, and I played five net lists effectively. So I played Les's old list in the first round. So I played the Sylvan F Durfu Tree Man with the Kernoff list. Yeah. Uh, round two, I played my old style list with the Storm Fiend style, but with a load of Skyfires in as well. So he had a massive unit of Skyfires, a Bloodletter Bomb. Storm fiends with warp fire projectors. It was it was a bit like um, Alex Harrison's South Coast list. Yeah. So it was it was it was basically that, but the um, it wasn't eighteen sky fires. I don't think. I think it was just nine in one unit, or maybe it was a bit more. No, I think it was just the nine. Um, then game three, I played a cunning ruck with Stonehorns Thunder Tusks. Game mm-hmm. four, I played. Um, the sort of order gun line, so Kurnos, Hurricaneum, Long Strike Crossbows, um, with a mini little Stormcast bomb in there, so he had like a Prime in there. So well, it's a gun line. You don't see yeah. that very often. No, it was so like that, basically... that guy, just to, to put a bit of context on that, was because um, the Welsh team lost a load of players quite yeah. late on. This guy was due to go to the double, there was a doubles event somewhere. Um, the same weekend. It was at there. It was at at the Six yeah. Nations. There yeah, was also was a doubles event. Uh, okay, so basically, and he didn't play the doubles. The partner dropped out and gave him the army, so he was essentially playing two halves of a doubles army. Yeah. So one half was the gun line, and the other half was like a little mini stormcast bit with raptor strikes, so it was like more shooting and then the prime in there. Um, and he had a protector unit and the banner so that's interesting because you don't yeah. see you don't see the vexler and that and the no, prime like, much this this um, was the only one that sort of strayed really off the netless path where 
instead of it being all Waywatcher heroes and, you know, the, just everything I shoots. I wouldn't call that a netlist because it's only Alex that was running that Waywatcher um, and Tom from Tom. the Doggers. I think you'd come up with a list. So Yeah, but like uh, to me, that that's that's a list that I know is there now. Yeah, so okay. I just chuck that in the same barrel with them. It's like, oh, that is a list that, that's out there. Okay. Um, but it was it was sort of a variation on that with the prime and the pick up and drop protectors, which in escalation, which I played him in, was really shit for me because he could have just put the prime and the protectors behind me at the start of the game and killed all my characters. Yeah, but you wouldn't drop you wouldn't drop the prime on the first. Turn, no, you wouldn't. You, so. But the prime could have still gone in and killed both the warp lightning cannons, and then I was completely fucked. <laughs> no, so, he wouldn't do it on turn one, would he? Because I mean, you've got to be nine away. Um, so you could easily stop him dropping, so he could threaten them, and he's only got two attacks. Yeah, but attacks. in Escalation, though, it, it is hard to protect that entire sort of triangle of board. Not really. I mean, but when you, just when you also want to go forwards back. as well, because I had a combat army, I needed to go across the board, so if I spread out too much, it's just going to take too long to get there. As it happened, 18 blood letters flew across, I got the double turn and just took the, took the whole gun line off in one turn, effectively. Yeah, uh, I think Escalation is not too bad a mission for that army. It's all right if you've got Sal because you can mm. just you can just get there quickly. I actually Plus like a lot of your main units are battle line as well, which helps. Yeah, so. so you put the twenty blood warriors, ten on each sort of angle, and they go after the objective nice and early. Yeah. Um, think... Then the last game was um, the Goblin Ruck, basically. Yeah. You know, the with the goblins and the the this had double. Um, Thunderstone Stonehorn. The only thing it had that was different, instead of having all the goblins, was it had a unit of nine Fimir in it. Okay, that's interesting. So um, they're pretty good, aren't they, Fimir? Yeah, because they just bellowing tyrant themselves and um, was that made themselves into battle shock. Yeah, the champion yeah. was the general. Yeah. So yeah. they bellowing themselves and made themselves immune to battle shock. They heal every turn if you don't kill them, and I they're really on like two hit. I think they're really like, cool. And they have a mortal wound save against shooting yeah. as well. So yeah. it just made my army pretty shit against them, to be fair, because I couldn't really get to them. And where they do double damage of Ren 2, they just murdered all the bloodletters. Yeah, you know, their Ren's they... really good. Yeah, and they were, they were smashing blood warriors off as well. They they just killed stuff like it wasn't, you know, it was, they basically had no save against it. Um, so ideally, I not great matchups. Some of them were okay. Um but the thing, is, do you... the thing to bear in mind is that like you played against probably the strongest lists from the opponent teams most of the time, which yeah. meant that like, and you still got a few wins out of it, and it That's meant that your, your other people... lists' duty was to like, oh god, like. That's most the thing. Though, whenever my that. list was put forward, it was always rejected because people didn't want to play it with the lists that were presented. Exactly, but, oh, which they're... is why it was so good because we we then managed to engineer so many matchups. Oh yeah, as, as a team thing, it worked really well. But for my, like, as in my personal games over the weekend, if I'd have had my corn mono corn list that had South Coast, I think I'd have just had a much better overall sort of yeah. gaming from it. Do you think having an army that's balanced like that is is then actually a good thing? Because, like you were saying, Tom, that you could put it into almost any matchup, to, and nobody really fancies playing it. Exactly. Yeah. Like, there was absolutely none of those games. Maybe the last one, I'd say, but there was none of those games that you didn't have a chance in, Terry. 
The thing like, is, though, if you had any of my games, if I'd have got the turn bounce for the double, I'd have won all of them. Which is the way that yeah, this works. That's what we're that's what we're saying, though. So, yeah. like having that that all rounder list in your team is oh. almost like a bully list without yeah. being an obvious bully list. Yeah, yeah that definitely. makes sense. So, I, I think, think it's quite a good good thing to have in there. Then, in retrospect. I think anything that has sail in as well is a bully list because yeah. people just don't know how to play against it. So they just don't want to. I think as soon as you go sail, two warp lightning cannons and 30 bloodletters, it's, oh, it's a bad match. Yeah. Like most people will. Yeah, although those two those two warp lightning cannons should have been six skyfires. Yeah, they should have. Because they're... Uh, obviously, I couldn't take the skyfires because Sedge had Sedge Adam, 18 yeah. of them or whatever. Sedge had so. all the skyfires. Yeah. For the whole, all of them. Is it worth noting the like? Because we kind of had Terry as like balanced bully, and then we had Sedge with Skyfires and Zinch, and Jack with Ruck, and they were they were kind of our they were the ones that we used to push other people around in the matchups. I think. Yeah, yeah, I think because as well because like I think going into it we were had a lot more experience potentially in the pairings process. Yeah. So, like, effective use of bully pairings and things like that, something I think we got right for the most part. Um, the one that we did get wrong was game one, where we paired into the wrong Zinch army, which was just a mistake. Yeah, it was just a derp. Not yeah, a, it was just derpy. It wasn't a, nobody's fault or anything like that. We just, by the time, when we all sat down at the table, we were like, hang on a minute. This isn't how we wanted it. But one of those things, I think. You know, I get what you're saying, Terry, about your personal games, but I think you did the team really well just by taking the games and still winning. Yeah, it's just it's disappointing. Like I know people heard about it the weekend, but one priority roll over the weekend. What's that about? <laughs> it's it was just so depressing. Like on any of those doubles, the blood letters were all in the positions to just table my opponent every time. So I just went in, went big. And didn't get the priority. Managed to recover it. Didn't get the priority. Managed to recover it. Didn't get the priority. And I'm like, oh, this is ridiculous. I just, I can't, I just can't do anything. Do you think that's a play style thing, though? Do you think that maybe if you hadn't have put yourself in a position where, you know, not going big would have... Can't, you can't, think it's an army thing. Like, you, you can't sit back against double thunder tusks because they just point at your units and just go, that banner's dead, that banner's dead. Now your whole army's not battle shot. The Stonehorn goes into thirty bloodletters, kills it instantly, one shot. Or ten, or ten blood warriors, one shot. That that's the problem I, with that list. I think at the end of the day, like it's just part of the game to accept that you know you might get a double turn, you might not. Um... If you win the double turn, you pretty much always table your opponent because you get two, you get four shots with the warp lightning cannons. You get your bloodletter bomb going in potentially twice. And then the rest of your army just goes in and it causes so much damage your opponent can't even react to it. So it is kind of good in the team event that people don't want to play it, like you said. And you can just take really hard matchups, win that dice roll and just table someone. It's That's that sort of list where if it goes well... It was like my old Kairos list where you put the six Storm Fiends in, if you double turn them, it's pretty much game over because they're going to have nothing left afterwards. But, so um, that's... I think I think we kind of we've talked about all the lists and and like 
the kind of where you guys fit in the team um and some of the other stuff in the team so basically just to just sort of wrap up the event i guess so six nations uh obviously was run by ben curry we mentioned his name but we haven't said um and it's obviously you've got six teams and it was based in derby and um Ended up with England winning the Six Nations, the first Six Nations for Age of Sigma. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I always well done, guys. Yeah. <laughs> I just, uh, and worked the scores out as well, and we would have won capped or uncapped, which I'm quite happy with. Yeah, yeah that's good. pretty good. Yeah, it's it's quite funny at the end this, with the trophy bit though. It's like everyone wanted to get the trophies, and I was like, I don't deserve one. I only won two games. <laughs> Les was like, fine, don't take your trophy then. And then Ben did a shout-out for the person that only won two games a weekend, and it was me. But it wasn't actually me, because loads of people got it as well. Tony Tony only won two games. What I would say is... I might have orchestrated that. Yeah, it was one of you. (laughs) What what, what I would say as well, like, the biggest biggest thing about team events is, um, is, like, it doesn't matter. It's like it's just being able to leave your ego at the door and go, well, it's about the team and we've won, and it doesn't matter. Like, and I think as long as you try your best, and sometimes you do have a team event where you get put into bad matchups. I mean, I I know that from my ETC experience, it's really um, hard. Like, if you're the person that's taking those matchups, and what you really need is just like it's just like your team to support you through that and understand that it doesn't matter about individual performance. It really does not matter. Um, I think, I think it's very easy to, to, to put pressure on yourself and say, Oh, that I, you know, I could have done that better. I could, I could have got more points or I could have done this. I could have done that. But, and yeah, it might matter in some cases, but the point is it's, it's, you know, as long as you're you're trying your best and, you know, you're 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 in that part of the team and you're playing um the role of the team that you're assigned, it doesn't matter. So, um I know people that have gone to the ETC and taken an absolute bobbins off the wall list that is basically just there to lose but not lose big. And it's it's a really tough role. Um you know, because it's very. I think when you go, or oh, you can play the army that gets all the points, and you know it looks good on the score sheet, and you look like the rock star getting all the points. It, sometimes it's not about that; it's about the person that didn't give away the points, which actually won the round for you. So I, I couldn't be the points getter. I couldn't handle the pressure. No, yeah. like I, I was dead happy at eighth at um, ETCs to play the the defensive list, like, and knowing that if I get twelve, that's a twenty. Almost, yeah. and I I think that's an important bit about building a team as well. Like you yeah. need you need different types of players, um, and it's not always necessarily pick like your the eight people that go and and win loads of tournaments all year because you've then just got people who are used to getting loads of points all the time, and it it, it doesn't always work. You need the kind of almost. I, I, I'm not we out of turn, but almost your Kieran's, you know, your solid, reliable, tactical Ooh. players that that can Speaking play with. Speaking of who, off fucking the wall smashed list. it this weekend. Yeah, yeah, Kieran, absolutely. absolutely beasted it. That's what yeah. I mean. Like, but you know, it's it's kind of like the player that you know he doesn't. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong. Hasn't got any podiums. Um, you know, doesn't 
he does well at events. He yeah. takes weaker armies. I think he can. I think if oh, he no, takes definitely. that list to a singles event, I think he'd easily podium. Yeah, easily. definitely. I think I think yeah. he's got it in him. But I, I'm just saying that obviously, in a team environment, he kind of shines. Yeah, and he makes even his knowledge of every single thing in the entire fucking game as well. <laughs> yeah, was, um, was he was so really good. He was really good for me. Just me like too. Kieran, right? Just tell me what shit does. Yeah. Like I don't, don't, don't give me it. I don't need everything, but just give me a rough idea of the role of each of the units in my opponent's army, and I'll then play around it. He did that for me all weekend as well. Like probably three out of the five rounds, I went to him uh, for help. Went to Jack for help against the Ruck, and just said like, right, well, like, what's the deal in this scenario? Um, and they just ran me through what was heavy hitting, what I had to watch out for, and stuff like that. It's really helpful. I mean, I just commend Kieran for being put up against the change host twice, <laughs> getting two majors out of it both times. Yeah. Watch out. That, that shouldn't happen, so that, yeah. that's really fucking good that he got that. But he's rogue, any. I walked over the table, there was nothing on the table. I'm like, where's your star drake? Is it dead? Yeah. It's in the sky. I'm like, fuck off, what are you doing? <laughs> it was brilliant. His opponent just was so confused and he was just had this look. He's always got that like that little cheeky grin on his face. <laughs> in the sky. Oh, amazing. But then look over at his opponent, his opponent's just like, like, What's going on? <laughs> yeah. I mean I I think as well, like across across the thing, I I'll I'll say this about every single team event I've ever done. But I think this weekend we had, like, in terms of combination of players and characters and people that I'd want to spend a weekend with, I think this was, like, an amazing weekend. Yeah, it was yeah. really good. Because I wasn't there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, if you I were was there, I wouldn't have been. Cars. Like, fucking Gattadu weren't there as well, because it was a proper good... The social was awesome. Like, It was so nice to hang out with people that we wouldn't have normally hang out with. And it was yeah. just, you know... and. It was just, it was really, really good. And, like, we can wax lyrical about how amazing it was. And, like, yeah, we walked away with the trophy, which is amazing. But it was just really nice to spend some time with people that I haven't had a chance to spend that much time with. Like, I think I spent more time with Jack Armstrong this weekend than I have ever in, like, four years of playing on tournaments. Yeah, and, like, I think the, the Scottish government teams as well. Yeah, I was just going to say the opponents' teams. It just seems that this maybe this event in particular, or team events in general, getting eight people together, some of which are stepping at the last moment to help out. You just get a really good group of people. Yeah. I think um, the um the difference with like between like normal team events and like, you know, your Six Nations UTC is that there's almost that the the bond of the team is feel stronger normally. Definitely. Um, uh, I think it just feels like there's a bit more at stake um, just because you're representing your country, and I think people it's in people's minds, isn't it? That you you are representing your country. Um, but I think I, for me, like I'm gutted, I missed it. Um, but I think from what you know, the teams were quite fluid. Things were changing quite a bit. Um, I wasn't really in the right frame of mind. I don't think to to do it, and I wasn't. I don't know. I, I don't know if I would have. I normally go in and, and do quite well at team team events but I wasn't thinking about the event I hadn't put any thought in and, and to be honest it's quite nice as well to, like by stepping out seeing someone like Kieran step in and instantly have a massive positive impact on the team and, and go into that environment and do really well and it's you know I wish I was there maybe just as a coach like rather than a player would have been quite cool um, yeah but anyway uh, well done for winning and um but it sounds like you all 
had a good weekend and and represented, yeah. so to speak. So uh, next year, probably. Because mm-hmm. next year it's seven teams, is that right? Or is that me being... I think he's still doing six, but it's in Scotland and the Castle. Scotland and the Castle? Yeah, hosting, yeah. But the Scottish guys, like, if you get to play them, um, you know, events, are just, or every single member of that team, like, absolute top bloke. I just spent more time, I spent a lot of time hanging out with them in the sun, like, chatting shit. In, on yeah. the afternoon, so if you want some Karajian tech as well, uh, there's um, is it today's or yesterday's bad dice daily? Um, yeah, listen to that in the shower this morning. <laughs> That's I don't know if I'm weirded out by that. You said you liked your opponent, but I didn't know it was that much. No, I, I always I, I listened when it, whenever he used to do the daily all the time. I used to text him every now and then, saying I was listening to you while I was in the shower this morning. I can't imagine anything worse than, than sort of cleaning myself listening to Ben Curry. <laughs> Why? Like, it, especially you get the um, uh, it's combat because you never feel well. clean. Yeah. Because you never <laughs> feel clean. Like you're 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 like you're like oh, I'm, I'm scrubbing myself and and I'm listening to Ben Curry. I just don't feel clean. It's like he's in the shower with you. <laughs> That's what I like about it. Just just look down and see those hairy feet. His bad dice sense is tingling now because we're all talking about it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he's like... Oh, he loves it. Yeah. loves it. Right, I think that probably wraps it up unless anyone has anything else they want to say about the Six Nations or anything, really. I'm going to chime in a little bit for something you said earlier on, Ross, about the sort of thoughts on AOS as a team event. Um, Oh, yeah, yeah, of course, yeah. So I think it's really good. I think scenarios add an extra layer to the Mm. team event, but... I, I'd like to see some changes going forward in that I think the scoring system needs delineating a little bit. Um, yeah. So if you're going to introduce a cap in, you t- just having multiples of five as scores doesn't, especially since a draw just doesn't really happen unless you engineer it. Yeah. I think there may be room to add secondary missions. Yeah, Ben did say he was going to look at secondaries, um, so that would be like, good. I don't think there's a way to bring in the full 20-0 system. Unless you added VPs in as objectives, which could could work, but I think having having some more delineation and then adding the cap in it really brings that. My favourite thing about team events from uh, from old is knowing, like, we oh we need twelve points to cap this round. Can you get us twelve? Yeah. Yeah, well, I'm yeah, on yeah. for ten. Let me try and getting yeah. the twelve, and all of a sudden being the rock star of that sort of round. Um. You sort of miss miss a little bit of that, I think. Yeah, I see it, what you're saying, yeah. It did feel like you pair up and then you play eight singles games and your result doesn't have an impact on anybody else's. I kind of missed that halfway through the round, like, how are you doing? you got to push, you don't have to push. Or, like like I mentioned about yeah. Les's list, him coming around saying, like, guys, I'm good. Um, like, you kind of had that going on, but it, it just didn't matter as much. And even like yeah. when you're when you're stomping someone, like the difference between getting eighteen and twenty could be all the difference. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, I, I see exactly what you're saying. That's a really good point. I mean, I remember my first ETC um, when I we were playing USA, um, and I was playing against um, Jarrett Messing with Lizardman, and I was using vampires, and um, we were both told don't really need to get anything other than ten. So we were both playing very relaxed, chatting a lot. We'd been drinking the night before and we had some we shared some sauerkraut. We were sort of bros at that point. 
Um, and we were just chatting away. We were chilling. We were having a really relaxed game. Got to about turn three. Both our captains come over and said, we need points. And the game flipped on its head. And then yeah. we we had two turns or two or three turns of really intense Warhammer where one point meant the difference between winning or losing the round and it ended up I won 11-9 and that won us the round by one point um, yeah that, those sort of things are the, it, the greatest yeah the feeling that you get after that game is better than winning a tournament I think yeah and that was that must have been seven eight years ago it will have been yeah 2010 maybe or 2009 I think it was 2010 but yeah that's that and I still remember that game like I could go into like what happened yeah. at each step but you know I still remember that game I remember I all think, of my ETC games just because yeah, every much. single one of them is significant in one yes. way yeah yeah I think uh what's I gonna say yeah I'm obviously heading out to the ETC this year coaching the England team in another game and I can't wait for that sort of being involved in that sort of process again i've missed it so much yeah i really want aos to get there yeah that's what i was just about to say do you think we'll ever see aos at the etc yes yeah i absolutely. think we'll build it our, the community will build itself won't it i mean people get jealous of the six nations and so we'll be doing a six nations with eight teams and then with 12 and then by that point it'll be an etc i think exactly. i think we need to work out a scoring system yeah, I think so. Something that uh, that brings the team element really back into it. I now that I've said it as an idea and I've thought about it, I actually think victory points as like if victory points can score you five tournament points based on how much you kill, because mm. then there's always a reason to play the game. Yeah. So let's say that a major objective was worth five points, and then you got an extra tournament point for every 400 points of your opponent's army you killed. If you're on points killed as well, then that kind of mitigates the, the more boring neg armies I... that just don't die. No, that's part of the fun for me. Well, mm-hmm. and I don't, the boring I don't neg think... army and, and the guy that's just pushed around loads of Blight Kings is yeah, going, play yeah, that's fun for me. No, I, I think... No, I, know. I don't think there are that many armies in AOS that can do it. No, no I not. So, and the ones that can are still open to losing quite easily. Cause you can pull their pieces apart. Exactly. Like you've got something like Caradrons against an army that does that. The reason that it can do it is because of the characters. If you just drop to four inches away, kill all the support characters, all of a sudden they're, they're dead. Yeah. So I think, I think that needs to be a thing still. I think it needs to be VP difference. But yeah, again, I need potentially. To... I mean, the other thing is to have some other... Other like a bit like what Clash did, and you had you had some tertiary and secondary and tertiary objectives that you know your your major was worth five and your secondaries were worth two each, and then you know or something like that to make up the twenty points. I'm sure there's a way to do it. I think yeah. um, I think kill points is a way to do it. I mean, I mean, you never know. Maybe there'll be a um, you know there'll be something that comes along that people can can use from you know maybe even take something from 40k if there's some say that. stuff that they're using over there and adapt it i mean like um you know you've got the obviously the tactical objective cards in 40k i mean perhaps something like that could be 
designed or implemented for Age of Sigmar, and then that that could be your yeah, you know, that could be a way to do it. So I think the if the secondaries, I think they need to be looked at a little bit to stop the sort of. I'm just going to deploy Nagash. He is my blunt, my assassinate, and oh, I didn't, I didn't mean the same. Yeah, I, no, I, but I think oh, there were some think... big holes of it. I mean, and they would need to be carefully um, uh, managed. I mean, it, when you get into the ETC proper, when they're almost back in the day, they were almost making a new version of Warhammer to play at the ETC. You might even get into those those levels, but I really hope it didn't go that way. But you know, because I think the game. I think match play out of the book is good enough for competitive play it doesn't need to be tinkered with too much no i think just sort of bringing it full circle into a team event just adding some more camaraderie somewhere just needs a layer doesn't it yeah yeah and the, the only the only layer that needs to be there is just in the the sort of game outcome yeah. you don't need to change the rules of the game no no, no no just 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 like having like you say just like degrees of victory that that aren't just based on killing, which I think yeah. is probably the... I think if we ever did get that as an ETC as well, it'd be dirt cheap to enter because we wouldn't have to pay for referees. Yeah, that's true. Because, I don't know, you probably would, but... Well, true. I'm yeah. sure, you I'm sure when some, the of the, some of the more famous teams got back involved. Um, but I, I kind of... I have those moments where you remember back to being in the Landsman in Munster and... and Ben Curry having sandal chucked on the roof, and <laughs> Asger trying to convince the barman who doesn't speak um, really any English, um, and he's Dane and he's speaking English to somebody who doesn't really understand English, that he could climb up the drain pipe and get the shoe out the gutter. Um, it, just those sort of memories, you know. They, they don't, yeah, they don't but... come about at normal tournaments, and I think as well, like it would be great to see some of the people that we met and even like the Australians and the ashes and all this kind of history we've got. But, um, I just, I just wish that the ETC moved across to age of Sigmar and ninth age went away because just move on. <laughs> but anyway, we won't, we won't go into that because, uh, we'll upset some people. Yeah. We've not got, we've not got long enough in the show that, cause that's a separate show altogether. <laughs> yeah. It's a show that won't ever get recorded. No. <laughs> okay. Um, so I think that wraps it up now. I think we can, yeah. we can move for on real. to that. So thanks very much, Tom, for coming on. Um, thanks for having me always again. Good, always good to have you on, mate. And um, uh, well done to all of you guys on the winning team. Um, and uh, yeah, well, I hope, thanks for joining us, listeners. And um, you know, check out our blog, um, our new website, basically. Uh, there'll be some posts going up there Um shortly hobby articles and stuff so feel free to comment and come and visit us and show some support just just come and have a little look around um and there should be more content and stuff coming out slowly so terry's done a really good job on that so um hopefully we can uh, we can get more content to you so uh yeah the picture of me working out how to use a mold line remover oh could we (laughs) just make sure you're using ketchup you and your pants with a ketchup bottle next year and a mud line remover. Oh, now you're talking. And a chainsaw building an ironclad. <laughs> Using a Bic razor and shaving foam. Yeah. Just just scraping that frigate down with your whole, the hull of the frigate with a razor. It'd be amazing. That right. bombshell. <laughs> Thanks for listening, guys. Uh, we'll be back soon with another show. So, see you soon. 
To make sure you don't miss out on any more Hammer to Your Face, subscribe to us on iTunes, add our RSS feed to your reader, and follow us on Twitter at facehammer underscore. We hope you enjoyed the show. If you'd like to give us some feedback, we'd love to hear from you. Thanks for listening.